Alright guys, this is going to be Donnie coming to Masawa Japan, Panko Style Podcast up in the garage as you guys know out there. For the guys who are new to the channel, be sure to like, subscribe and all the good stuff. Just to stay up to date, I'm not going to force you guys to subscribe, but if you watch a long, long format uh, podcast and you don't subscribe, it's kind of a waste of time, so go ahead and do that. I got my guy over here, it's going to be Brian Garfield. Brian, you're currently in West Virginia, right? I'm in West Virginia, yeah. West Virginia. Basically, I'm, I'm close to the line of both Virginia and Maryland, okay. so it's hardly West Virginia, but it is. Right. And, and you and that's like that's actually like your original birthplace or did you? Might no, oh, no, this is this is just relatively close by to where we've lived in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, you cross over the line into West Virginia and the prices drop real low. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I end up being able to ba- build the garage that I've got here for that reason. So that's awesome, man. But like, like this, is like, I like I always like, like to let the guys out there know like how I go about, I guess, the people I'm having on the podcast. They want to know how do we know each other, how we meet sure. them. Brian Garfield, for guys that don't know, is like my first official uh drip driving instructor uh this is back in wdc region and the fedex field and uh it's been years man it's it's, it's crazy yeah. it's been roughly it was this is 2007 2008 and yeah. now it's 2020 yeah. so it's been <laughs> some time and i never forgot you man we added we've been on been friends on facebook and i i um honestly i i always wanted to get you on a podcast but i wanted to actually uh grow my production a little bit better sure. the first the first like you know 10 episodes sucked then I got better mics and I got another set of mics, which I got right now. And it's it's better than I got an extra studio, which is sound deadening and all that good stuff. So yeah. the sound the sound is just better. So I wanted to have guys like yourself on. And I knew you were in the audio, so I didn't want to have you yeah. on some crappy audio, man. So uh, but anyway, guys out there again, Brian um uh, was one of the guys, again, that, got, that gave me my first instructions on how slow I actually was at driving. And also, I came there with a drift car. So the car, the guys were really apprehensive, but Brian was really welcoming to me. And his dad, you know, the guys had the Miatas and the, the Minis and all the stuff out there. So uh, one thing I want to say right in the beginning out there, guys who are interested in getting into autocross before we get into the uh, our speech is uh, just do it. There's different classes. I was one of those guys who thought you had to have a built up car, not knowing there's a stock class or whatever, different classes. Uh, so if you got, if you want to get into it, it's low impact. It's not dangerous. You might scuff your bumper if you hit a cone. But that's on you, and uh, it's 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 cheap. So it's cheap practice, and actually, autocross made me a better drifter uh, by learning how to aim my car and learning how to place my car. Uh, so it's definitely benefits for the guys out there who drift only. Don't look at grip like it's boring because it's definitely not boring. So Brian, uh, just getting into it, man. Can you give us a little bit of history on yourself, how you got into cars, and uh, we'll we'll go from there, man. Sure. Well, first of all, I mean, I grew up with a father who was a who was a car person. Um, yeah. Now I will say because of the sport we ended up playing ice hockey when we were little and so i think we while i was into cars and and um uh we did i did things you know my father was very adamant about you know my first car and keeping it clean and taking care of it on my own and all that stuff but we i didn't do any racing when i was younger because i was already playing ice hockey and you know that's expensive as enough as it is and as we know any form of racing gets expensive pretty quick so um uh, so anyway, so I didn't do any, any form of racing. And when I was 16, I got my first car and I did dumb shit on the street. Like just about everybody does. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, um, but you know, like I said, I, I learned, I learned how to take care of my car. I, I respected the cars that I had and, and, um, I wanted to make them last. So, uh, it wasn't until, um, later, uh, in 1999 when I got into autocrossing and it was actually something that my parents did when uh before i was born right before i was born they were autocrossing so late 60s uh and they and they raced a uh, an original mini and um uh and they stopped right after i was born basically they had their first kid and i was the second one and then they and i think actually at the same time my father had blown the motor on the mini and mm. and so for me growing up 
um, you know, sort of, you know, sort of into cars. There was an original mini set up as a race car sitting in the garage that was just collecting dust. Mm. Um, so we didn't we didn't get rid of the car or anything uh, at that time. So I, I would go out and I just clean it. And that, and that was and I like to sit in it and stuff like that. So the car actually looked good a lot of times because I was I just like to sit in it and clean it and stuff. But anyway, so I got my license and then and then in 1999, um, uh, when I got into it, I, I called up my parents and I saw an event and I called up my parents and I said, "Is this what you used to do?" And they said, "Yeah." And and I got them back into it. So by the time you came around, uh, you know, we had been involved for about you know six, seven, eight years mm. um, as a family. My mother, my father, myself, um, my wife, and uh, oh, um, yeah, yeah. So even, even the boys had been, been driving go-karts when I met you. Right. So, right. uh, so yeah, all, all, all six of us, uh, three generations were, were autocrossing. Um, and when we went, and when we finally got the kids allowed to go to nationals cause the junior carts weren't allowed, mm. um, in 2008, uh, all six of us ran at nationals. So it was three generations, six of us, all Garfields, uh, running at the, the solo nationals in, in Topeka, Kansas. So yeah. So that was kind of the you know the quick story of of how I got into it and then but during that time just before I met you um, you know they needed somebody to run the 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 school program and and I took that over and um, and and because we also had a really good lot as you know at FedEx Field which was a yeah, big stadium great. stadium yeah. parking lot um, that uh, that made it easy to, to to run some significant events which was mm. uh, which again you were you were right there in the heyday I think right before the recession right. Mm. Yeah, because I, I got well. I, it was 2007, 2008. Because I was right at Andrews Air Force Base, and that's that, that's what really kicked me in the ass. Was I was right there. It took me 15 yeah. minutes to jump on a highway. All this time, I was I was honestly like you said, man. I was I was one of those guys, you know, involved in the street racing, doing drag stuff, and and uh, I, I actually watched. Uh, my car was never fast enough to even line up with the guys out there that had really fast cars. So I was a spectator, and I was actually getting into drifting. So when I found um, it was myautox.com. Uh, Edwin Liu, which I'm pretty sure you probably know Edwin. Mm -hmm. uh, he yep. drove. He drove. Well, I think it's a Cataram and a Civic or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, he, he's he was. Out, he, he's out in California. He comes and visits every once in a while. But yeah, he's, we're still in contact with him as well. Yeah, because he messaged me one night. He's like, "Hey, man, you ever tried this?" So I was like, "Man," I was like, "Man, autocross is that's that's lame, man." And and then uh, <laughs> you know, I went there and then you know, well, the thing was, it was I knew the cars that were there, and I knew my car. Like again, I spent a bunch of time trying to be a drifter at this time, which I actually I didn't learn to drift until I got to Japan. I was being what we call a poser because you yeah. know, you're drifting parking lots and you, you got to watch out for cops and you can't learn it effectively. So my first track day, um, I learned more in, in six hours of seat time than I did in three, three years of trying to do it on the street. So sure. I knew Absolutely. right there, I was like, man, I got to get uh, involved. And that's again, that's when I looked up. Um, I looked up the link Edwin sent me, which was like a year old. And I went on to myautox.com and it was like great because everything was um, there. So I did FedEx. I believe there was some events in Colombia, mm -hmm. and I did a various events. So I remember doing, I did three in one day, actually. I started, we started in FedEx, yeah. uh, went down to Colombia, then we went somewhere else. And it was like, we just got there just in time to get in line, tech in. And, uh, you know, he's seen the stickers and markets on the car. So he's like, all right, this guy has been racing today. So he's good <laughs> to go. Uh, yeah. But uh, it's it's something for for me, man, autocross, again, it, it seems, um, and I'll let you uh, definitely voice your opinion on it. From the outside looking in, you see guys just in the parking lot with cones and guys like, man, this is not racing. This is not zebras and all the undulations of Nürburgring and, and, and yeah. Summit and all these different tracks. But again, man, as FedEx, I think, presented a good challenge because FedEx actually, if you looked at it, FedEx, it was, um, for the guys who don't know, it was like it wasn't straight. It was like you could see 
you couldn't yeah, see over the other side of the parking well, lot. Was it wasn't perfectly perfectly yeah. flat, and we were still running on the A lot at that time, which had all yeah. these undulations and and the lot's huge. I mean, you're not talking about a um, like one of the ones you would have done in Columbia would have been really yeah, tiny, small, small. But, um, small. By doing it at stadium parking lots, and then our nationals is on an airport. It's on a right. massive airport uh, uh, tarmac, and um, when you have that kind of space, uh, it, it doesn't. You're still not doing more than like in this car behind me. We're doing, you know, maybe 72, 73 miles an hour, uh, right. the fastest points. Um, but the point is that you're the, the thrill of autocross, and I'll admit. It's not something that people, if you don't understand it, watching right. it doesn't look very exciting. But right. when you're riding or you're driving, you're at the limit of grip the entire exactly. time. Mm. And the whole point, of course, in autocrossing is to be at the limit of grip but not go past it. Mm. But, the, but the similarity to drifting is that it's still, both of them are, are car control. One right. of them is, is beyond the limit and keeping it beyond the limit. And the other one mm. is right at the limit all the time. Um, and in fact, I've even seen some demonstrations of um, – uh, like a, on a track where a road racer, you know, a road racer versus a, a drifter to see how fast their lap times are. I can't right. remember the name of the guy, but it was at one of the Hyperfest events where they did that and they had one of the best, one of the better road racers in a Mustang uh, in one of the classes with the Mustang. This would have been almost 10 years ago. And then, mm -hmm. and then um, Von Gitten. Uh, Von, yeah, GR, yeah, GR. Yeah, yeah. So he, yeah, I think it was him who was there and he was, and he was basically drifting through all the turns. Right. And what they kind of proved was it wasn't really any slower, you know, from a, from that standpoint. But um, obviously, when you come out of a turn, if you're if you're already spinning, you've got less of a shot at getting yes. a slingshot out of the turn. But um, but um, but yeah, I mean, in, in terms of the two sports, I think they're the, they're all about car control. Right. And and, and when you autocross, and of course, uh, especially if there wasn't, I think at that time, I don't even know if they were even doing that many drift events around here. Um, no, not not much. There was this, you know, of course, the FedEx was only reserved for like the big, the Falcon show offs, and they kind of yeah. got canceled out. And then the uh, there was um, uh, in Maryland, no, uh, there was uh, Old Dominion Speedway, which got tore down, and mm -hmm. then they, they rebuilt now. And then the next up was uh, English Town, uh, New Jersey. So there was yeah. you had to go. There was not in Maryland. There was not much at all. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, from that standpoint, there's a ton of autocrosses. Right. And when you and 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 obviously the more seat time you get, the better you are, and that's where the schools come in handy too. Because yes, yes. schools, we you know you get so many more laps, and uh, I mean we we do test and tunes where people are getting have recorded you know fifty runs in a, in a day, 50, 60 second runs. So uh, I mean that's some decent seat time for particularly for autocrossing. But um, but you when you drive a car at the limit constantly over and over again, and you attend regular events, it makes you it makes car control second nature. I mean, yes. it's just, you don't think about it. And that's why I tell people, um, it's a lot like we don't sell it as a, as a defensive driving thing. Mm. Cause we're not, you know, we just, we're not supposed to, that's not what it is, but it is a defensive driving thing simply because if you were to, you know, avoid an accident or throw the car, you know, turn real hard on the street and the car loses control because you've drifted or because you've autocrossed so much, you know exactly what to do with the car. I mean, and it's not, it, 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 you're not trying to think about it. You just do it. Um, and this is where uh, I have a very strong opinion about um, this, like when people go to a school, you know, they go to uh, like, um, like a Bob Bondurant or Skip Barber or something like that, or a defensive driving thing. Um, those schools are great, but if that's all you do, it's never going to do anything for you on the road. Yeah. You've got to do something regularly all the time. And as anybody would know in anything that you do, the more you do it, the more it just becomes like it's no big deal and second nature, like I said, and becomes instinct. 
Um, so that's why I think uh, autocrossing and doing stuff like that regularly is so good for your street driving. But and obviously doing one and the other would lend to each other very well too. The, the um, drifting versus autocrossing. Yeah, that's one thing I want to definitely get out there right now because I, I run a performance shop in Japan for the guys who uh, may be tuning in from Brian's uh, Circle. Um, I'm not, I, I talk about drifting, but drifting is one of the things that kind of used to legitimize my shop because I got pro license in drifting here. It was one of those things where I wanted to do it. And then after I got there and got the card, I was like, well, cool. I'm not going to get into any A-list celebrity parties with this license. So <laughs> it, then I, I use it to legitimize, legitimize my shop. But now it's kind of become a misnomer because the... Um, some of the guys, they see some of the cars. I got drip cars here as well, and they'll see mostly drift cars, and then they'll assume, oh, it's drift shop. And drift shop, drifters have a bad um, reputation because there are guys that are to do do half half-ass things. They don't tech their cars. They don't do things. And I have to, and I'll take a guy in the garage and show him R34 that has 1200 horsepower, and it's made for grip and things like that. They'll be like, oh, you do grip? I'm like, yes. So I, I I'm one of those drifters that enjoy grip driving just as much as drifting yeah um i've actually i'll do um i'll do a demo at my local track where i'll do a hardcore grip lap and the switch directly into drifting same tires mm -hmm. same settings just to show guys um there's it's not optimum to have uh drift settings to do grip but you can play between both and i, sure. I generally set my i set my cars up to be um and i've i've had bad results as a result of this in a neutral state where it's not too far right to the drifting or not too far left towards grip right in the middle mm -hmm. um and then there's times where you have a grip car that's specifically for grip arrow things like that uh, so i have multiple cars now where I'll, I'll just i try to make them go both ways and i just i just decide hey this has to go either this way or that way because it's i'm getting bad results by planning in the middle so when i go yeah, towards yeah. grip um my time i could drop two seconds at sakuba which is significant yeah. For guys who don't know, and that's what I'm actually aiming for uh, with Sakuba Time Attack. I have to get into the 50s. That's my 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 goal. So I'm going to do that. So, but again, guys that are watching, I'm not a hard, I'm not a drift nut that only speaks drifting. So I can speak grip. We can speak different things, setups, and everything. So just want to put that out there. But um, again, I will say again, kind of going back uh, for autocross. Again, I I was drifting a bunch before that, and I I, I this was going out there to, to honestly speed around. Mm -hmm. didn't hit didn't have proper tires i actually filled my first tech inspection and the guy was like all right well you're done and i went to autozone came back he didn't so that drifted grind of fixing things i went to autozone got some uh tie rods came back fixed them in a lot did a did a string alignment and i was like all right cool i'm ready man and he was like really he's like yeah and i passed yeah. it to, i passed the second one so he's like man you guys are you drifters are crazy and then the guy you you really didn't hound on me man like a lot of guys were like, uh, hey, man, don't do this, don't do that, because they, they've seen the 240, and they've seen the, the dented up fenders, and uh, it was – some guys didn't give me the good uh, – they, yeah. they just they wrote me off, man. So, uh, speaking on that, man, have you had – have you had have, – have you had to have, have – sorry about that. Have you ever had to, like, kick anybody out as a result of not obeying the rules before? Um, It's, it's pretty rare. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I, I want to say maybe there's been once or twice um, – you know, maybe more turnaways at, at tech or something if the car is not safe and they can't make it safe. Right. Um, but in terms of people doing stuff really wrong, generally what happens is if they're that type of personality, yeah, they usually wait until they're leaving and then they do something, uh. which is bad because A, we can't kick them out. They're gone. And right. B, they're, they're already giving us a bad reputation for the leaving the yeah. lot that way. So we always tell people, you know, you know, we work really hard to get to get these facilities and uh, doing you know, crazy stuff, you know, 
outside the outside the lot is not a great idea because then we won't be able, we won't be invited back. Right. So um, I will say that that, that the drift culture, um, from my standpoint, has been like you said, it tends to be a little more um, um, loose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to be PC about oh, it. No, that's no, fine. It's fine, I mean, man. I mean, it, it, it's interesting because uh, I've been snowboarding since the mid '80s. Oh. Yeah. And when I started snowboarding, A, I was young and B, mm. it was frowned upon. Like it, right. the skiers hated the snowboarders. Exactly. And it was the same sort of thing because a lot of the snowboarders came from skateboarding and there was a lot of juvenile attitudes uh, that disobeyed rules and things like that. Now, I wasn't really one of those people. Did I do some crazy stuff? Sure. But I wasn't trying. I wasn't out there to make people angry or or having fun doing things wrong. It was like, oh, maybe I did something wrong and you know, that sort of thing. I'm just not, it's not my personality. But uh, right. But I learned a lot from that, too, because it's one of those things where the entire group of people was frowned upon. Right. And so um, and I don't want to get too sidetracked with it. But I mean, That's I was fine. snowboarding early enough that when you went out west or you you went to big resorts, you weren't allowed. Right. I mean, I mean, I went out to 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 Park City, Utah with a group of people at that uh, 1990 mm. and I wasn't allowed to snowboard at Park City. Right. I had to go to another resort by myself. Well, you know, by myself from the group. <laughs> right. right. Um, because it wasn't allowed and it was it was things like people not knowing about it um and or or some of the attitudes of the kids that were doing it or whatever so um i think sometimes it's it's a shame sometimes that you 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 do get some people that sort of ruin it for everybody else because while you do things differently you can still meet that happy medium of, of safety right. and, and and organization and things like that um the illegal stuff is i mean I see where it comes from because you don't have any place to run. And, and so you just, that's any, and if you don't know about autocross, so you don't know about organized drifting or, or track events or things like that, you're just going to try to go do something on a parking lot one time. Um, right. it kind of like what we used to do when we were younger, when it would snow and we just go and we would go drift around in the snow, um, in, in whatever car we had, um, even in the front wheel drive cars, we'd, we'd go backwards and, you know, do crazy stuff and donuts and everything. But, but, um, but yeah, um, the drift culture, uh, I'm not as familiar with it. Uh, I know of it and, and it, I know it took a while before the events started happening at like FedEx field, uh, originally. Um, and then, um, and I really, honestly, the only thing that I've ever been to that was that actually been to that was pure, that was pure drift was a couple of the, the elements of the hyperfest when they were drifting right. And stuff. Right. Um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, they're not as they're certainly not as common in terms of how many events they do here, and like as you as you said, and I think that still mm -hmm. made the case. Yeah, it's it, they're trying like uh, there's another another Brian Brian Wilkerson of Mid Atlantic Motorsports. So actually, he's a he's a grip guy that got kind of pulled into drifting, and he's uh, he runs a shop. I think he was for, first uh, near Hoffer Road, and I think they're what they were out of Dundalk. Uh, they moved to Dundalk to a bigger factory, so I'm not sure if we know Brian or not. But he he put he drives a. Um, a Porsche that he's been building for the last like 15, 20 years. And he keeps, he, he fixes on it a little bit and it stops. And he uh, supports like some of the bigger FD guys, Chris Forsberg, JR out of Annapolis and mm -hmm. all those guys right there. So um, yeah, man, it's definitely, uh, it's, it's been legitimized, but it's now it's went from the point uh, in drifting itself. And I'll get off the topic because it's not, I want to talk to you about, but drifting um, Formula drift, of course, got uh, more bigger. Ford is in there. You got uh NOS energy drink. All these big guys are pouring money into it now. Uh, so Formula Drift actually, came, you know, it came out after D1GP, which was the pinnacle. And now yeah. the Americans, Australia, Europe, uh, are now uh, they're 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 exceeding the actual the the uh, the J Japanese because Japanese 
they get in their groove, they build cars, and that's one of the things I kind of I combat here. Uh, Japanese are normally focused on one make and model, and that my my thing is like all my customers don't drive Miatas, all my customers don't drive, uh, mm. you know, RX-7. So I work on everything. I specialize in all things Japanese, and for them, they see it as you're not a master of it. So I can go from working on a rotary to a you know RB26 to a 2J to a in whatever. I can work on them all. Um, so in the states, there the uh, they started getting more money into Formula Drift, and as a result, now it went from the point where there's grassroots, and then it's just there's no middle ground. There's just everybody trying to go pro am and pro. Uh, so now there's there's a lot of guys that they're with really bad habits. They get these powerful cars. They have no skills. They can't. They never done autocross. Never done any grip. Uh, yeah. They build these cars for two years, and then they wreck, and you never see the car again. So that's the the current trend. Uh, we call it in our circle. It's insta. It's IG famous or I, I Instagram famous. Where the mm-hmm. car looks all nice, pretty, right, and right. they go out there. Their first, their first event, stuff it into a wall. Yeah, and never, and they're so embarrassed they never come back out, man. And that's one thing I didn't. You don't see a lot of grip because um, crashing it. I mean, especially with autocross. I mean, the the biggest danger is if you happen to lose it near one of the poles. Where right. I never seen anybody crash into a pole. Yeah, personally, you've been in the game for a lot longer than me, so I'm pretty sure you've probably seen somebody yeah. run into one yeah. of them before. So sure. absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's um. So again. As far as safety and things like that, guys are there. Like I, I really would stress, um, definitely. If you think you can drive, I guarantee you, you can't. And you meet guys like Brian, <laughs> and now like you meet guys like your son Julian, who we definitely want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, who Julian? When I met Julian, like I'm on his table. Julian was like maybe this tall when yeah. I first met him, and now you know he's a he's he's he would have been graduated college, and yeah, he would have been somewhere around eight years old, which was yeah. probably right around. Uh, I think he went to nationals when he was 10, but, um, but eight years old, he was starting to drive a shifter cart at that time. Yeah, man. <laughs> Nine so. years old. So and I, I definitely, I'm like envious, man, of you guys like Julius and, uh, my local track guy who's, a, he's, um, he's now 24 and he's already, he's been pro since he's been 16 and drifting. He's won multiple events. He's just like now he's 25, but he's an old man in a, in a sport. And like, it, it kind of. It it uh, I, I've also seen a negative effects where he he was so he was so good that he was pressured to do well. So now he's 25 when he has gray hairs now because yeah. he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't say it outright, but you can see like he internalizes it and he's like, oh, I gotta win this, I gotta win this, and he does win, and he's 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 one of the top drifters. But um, I can see where it goes bad. I, I mean, I don't I haven't been around Julian in a while. So how's Julian as far as? Uh, his progression in in the motorsports and things like that. So, so when he was little, you know, he had that that dream of becoming a race car driver, which a lot of the kids do. And um, and it took us a while. We had a few warnings uh, from people about what it was like to try to do it. And uh, the mm-hmm. bottom line is, it, is it involves money, even if even right. if you're good. Uh, it involves a lot of money, and it involves you know a sugar daddy, if you will, or some you yeah. know some <laughs> being being what man. Yeah, but exactly. <laughs> and and so uh, what ends up happening is you you know you either you're either filthy rich and you can and you can continue to pay for either your son or yourself to 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 do that, um, right. but or, or you just stop. And so what what happened was when he st- he went he autocrossed all the way up uh, until he was 13, and right. then he started road racing and he, he ran the uh, showroom spec Miata, and mm. uh, he ran 13, 14, and then a year of SCCA at 15. And our and at, by that time we had figured out that look this is costing a lot of money and we can't keep doing this. You're either somebody right. they're going to give you a ride or uh, or we're going to go back to autocrossing only um, and we're going to concentrate on college and that and so long story short 
um, after his, his year in, in SCCA, he did very well. And he did get offered uh, actually quite a few rides, um, mm-hmm. but they all came with a price tag. Um, because all the, all these, all these teams are just businesses. That's all they are. Right. So, so you need to pay, you know, pay your way in there. And, um, so we basically said, well, if somebody offers you a ride and it doesn't cost you anything, well, you can take that. But otherwise, you know, we're going to go back and save some money and we're going to, you're going to go to college and and do whatever you want to do there. And so he studied to be a mechanical engineer. Um, he, uh, at, at our suggestion and, and his desire, um, he really forced the, re- he really made sure he made relationships with businesses, with companies that were involved in, in, uh, some in motorsports, some in just on automotive. And, uh, um, he, w- he had, he had, uh, friended people at Mazda Motorsports mm. and was writing articles for Mazda Motorsports. Uh, and then he actually started doing, um, during the summer, he ended up working for them full time, if you will, during the summer, uh, doing organizational stuff, both with um, uh, with the marketing side and then also with um, Solo Nationals and Mazda's um, uh, presence in motorsports. Mm-hmm. So from the from the autocross or, or SCCA solo side, he was the contact. He was the, the person that uh, Mazda sent out and made sure, you know, worked out the relationships with people and stuff like that. So he did that when he was a freshman after, after his freshman year, after his sophomore year, he, he, uh, through autocrossing, we've met tons of new friends all over the country and some around the world. And years ago, you know, back when he was, when he was little, we would have thought, no, he's got a road race to get somewhere. Well, it turns out all these friends we made autocrossing. Um, you may not know this, but when you have a full-time job as an automotive engineer or a test driver, you don't mm. have time to to become a pro race driver. Yeah. You've got a job, right? <laughs> what you do have time to do is autocross. Right. So all of these test driving engineers are autocrossers, yeah. and they come nationally. <laughs> so all of a sudden, Julian, you know, from the time he's five, he's running these carts, and then and then from the time he's uh, ten years ten years old, yeah, ten years old, he's running nationally all the time. So he's meeting all these people. Well, now he's in college and these people have known him for a long time and he's obviously put up great results and everything. Right. So now he's, he's, he's meeting these people who are test drivers for manufacturers. So he meets the Mazda guys. The next year, he's test driving for Goodyear. Starts off That's as an intern. Awesome, man. And he's, he becomes a test driver during the summer for Goodyear as a full-on test driver for a tire awesome. center. So, so then the next summer, he had the choice of um, – of either going to Goodyear or trying something different. So he went and he worked with Penske racing shocks. Hmm. And so he went and learned, you know, more shock, you know, uh, um, damper, um, engineering and things like that. So, um, uh, so that's, you know, I mean, right there, you can see his resume getting stacked. Right. So as he finished school, he already had a place at Goodyear to get a job and he met another person who worked at Tesla and, uh, and so all of a sudden it became Goodyear or Tesla. Now Goodyear went into a hiring freeze right mm-hmm. at the time. And um, so they weren't able to make him an offer at that moment. And, um, and Tesla was. And so he's now a test driver for Tesla. That's awesome, That's where man. He is. And, and <laughs> now as we speak, he's, in, he's at the, uh, the facility that it's a private facility that, that, um, that different manufacturers use in Ohio. It's called TRC. I can't remember the exact um, uh, nomenclature for it, mm-hmm. but um, it's TRC. It's in Ohio, and and it's where Honda, uh, Marysville factory is, and mm-hmm. Honda R&D. 
so all mm. their their testing is is at this same facility, and so that's the facility Tesla uses in the continental U.S. Um, he'll then go to um, uh, New Zealand at, in August, and at some point he goes to Alaska for test driving. So that's where they that's where they do their testing. So, awesome, um, man. so, so he's still new. He just started June 1st, but he's already in the swing of things. He's got his certification from that track. Uh, they, they actually test them for, doesn't matter who you work for. The track itself has its own testing. Uh, gotcha. Um, and apparently he had a big smile on his face after doing the testing, you know, saying, you know, it was what he's been doing most of his life, um, yeah. in terms of passing a test or whatever, but, but, uh, so he's doing very well. He's doing real well. Um, and our younger son, Carson, who, who started at at five as well was pretty much overshadowed as you can imagine. Um, mm-hmm. you, I don't know if you remember him, but he he wasn't as chatty and but he was racing carts at the time, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he liked it. He didn't like everything that went along with it in terms of prep and things like that. And I got to the point when he was about twelve, and I said, you know, Julian was the other way around. You know, he was hardcore and took care of his own stuff. And I finally turned to Carson and I said, look. If you're not going to learn to do it yourself, I don't want, I don't, you don't need to do it anymore. I mean, right, you, right. you want to have that desire and, and you have to, you know, you have to take the load off of me. And, um, and that was one of the things that made Julian so fast was mm-hmm. we used to go to these cart races, you know, on the, on the track and the other kids are running around on razor scooters and doing, you know, playing toy with toys or whatever. And Julian was working on his cart. I mean, that's, yeah, man, man. you know. If you look at, uh, I mean, the stereotypical idea of Michael Schumacher was that he understood the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, not He didn't just drive. He understood what the car needed and, and, and how important feedback was. And I mean, I'm sure a lot of race drivers are like that, but he was known for that. And, and, um, and that's, what, that's what happened with Julian. Julian ended up being, and that's, where you be, that's how you become a test driver because you know how to give feedback and you know, um, you know what the car is doing, exactly how it's doing it, and, and what needs to be changed to make it improve. So, so that's, mm-hmm. so that's what he is. And that's, and that's how he got there. So the, the irony is, you know, here it was, this, this dream was shattered of not becoming a professional race car driver. But once we transitioned over to the, the, um, the engineering side or getting an education, that's where the, the desire to become a test driver was the new dream. And as you can imagine, there aren't that many test drivers. There aren't that many positions in the entire country no. for, as a test driver. So for him to come out of school and get a position like that is 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 a pretty amazing accomplishment. And, and we tell him all the time, he, he worked his ass off, and, and we tell him all the time, you deserve it. You worked hard, yeah. you got there, and um, and don't take it for granted because it's you know you know there aren't that many positions out there, but um, but he worked real hard for it. So we're real yeah, proud yeah. of him. There's no doubt, like especially mechanical mechanical engineer like a degree. Like I I guys that don't know, I went to University of Maryland for three years. I played. I, I was actually there on an academic scholarship. Uh, I was for I was forbid to play any sports, and I was a sport. I was a three captain uh, sports star in high school. Well, not not star, but I was I was a starter, so I was up there. Yeah. And I, I captained uh, lacrosse, and they uh, when I went to University of Maryland, of course, I wanted to play football or whatever. So they said, get your grades straight and all that stuff, and and honor this honor the uh, scholarship. Uh, and my 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 point of this story right here is not the football and all that stuff. I played football with, with, with guys who were pro and all that stuff. It was more so that. Um, uh, I come from Baltimore City. Uh, Baltimore City schools, public systems are kind of like you kind. If you if as a, I was one of the kids that did my schoolwork and I, I got a scholarship as a result. Everybody else, if you're not pushed, honestly, the teachers don't have a lot of time to mm-hmm. really push those kids. They'll they'll try to pull out those guys who they see have the potential. But anyway, I got to Maryland. Um, I was I was way behind the power curve as far as uh, mathematical skills. 
and uh, actually harmed me because um, in, in mechanical engineer, I know he had to do a lot of math. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, of math. And he wasn't, he was, he was good at math, but he wasn't, right. it wasn't his favorite thing at all. And right. It, and he had a lot of struggles with that because math, I mean, you get to a level of math that, that's, yeah. You know, that's why I know you say so you bust his ass, man. So yeah, that, that, yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty and, sure that I was the, I will tell you though, one of those interesting backs to the, all these friends, when he was a freshman and we, we were out at nationals, remember he's in, he's going, he's in school at that point right. in September and you, you're, he's struggling with some of his classes and he, mm. you turn, we're in a group of, you know, 15, 20 people hanging out. Some of us, you know, drinking beers, whatever. And he's turning to, you know, whoever, one of our friends and saying, you know, you're, you're this, you know, you're, you're, uh, um, what was he? Uh, oh, gosh, this particular engineer, uh, fluids, like fluid, mm. um, fluid dynamics or whatever. Right. And th- Julian had that class and this is what this guy does for a living. Right. Yeah. You know, this is, you know, awesome. forget, forget <laughs> just the simple class stuff. This is what the guy does on boats for a living and Julian's right. struggling in this class. And he's like, yeah, let's sit down and go over it. Fixed all the problems. Julian understood it better and, and moved on. And, and every mm. time he had trouble, all he had to do was turn to one of these autocross buddies who was an engineer and right. just, you know, Hey, how do I do this? And they're like, yeah, glad right. to help you. You know, most people, especially especially a younger person who's trying to trying to get through school and trying to you know figure out where they're going and stuff, it's it's great when you're in a career and you can help somebody like that. So and, right. so we had, we had a lot of friends that were real open to that. But but yeah, the math is a huge part of it. So if you struggle with that, it, it, it's going to keep you out of engineering for sure. Oh yeah, I was my thing was uh, computer science. I'm really big into like uh, you know I, I was really big into uh, computers and everything uh, before I got into actual autocross. Oh, not autocross, but just automotives in general. So that that tra- those skills for the computers translated into like what I do now. Is I offer, um, of course, I do engine building, I do tuning, I do a lot of electrical stuff. Where most people hate wiring, I actually yeah. wiring wiring is soothing to me because it's like you're creating life. So you take a whole <laughs> harness, strip it down, then you start it up in a car. Like you're you're de you're reverse engineering stuff that guys went to school for, like say right. Julian. Yeah. And you take it apart, you look at the pins and you put it back together. You got a Toyota engine and a, a Nissan or whatever. Um, one thing I'm working on now, not, have you ever heard of a cappuccino, Suzuki cappuccino? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know what that is. I mean, I know so, it from from the days of um, uh, what's the game? The uh, What's the game that we all played um, on uh, PlayStation? Um, what's that? The one, like one gun? Not Forza, but the other one that, that everybody Grand Turismo? Gran Turismo, yeah, yeah, Gran Turismo. That's, that's so I, you know, even when, even though I was a car person, a lot of the yeah. four, a lot of the cars that are outside the U.S. you don't learn as much about, and you right. play, then you play Gran Turismo, and it's like, what's and, that? And, and both the boys <laughs> you know, played it all the time, and, and it's yeah. funny. Even Carson, who wasn't as big of a car person, is all of a sudden naming certain little cars, and you might see like a right-hand drive one on the street occasionally, or something like yeah. that. Very rarely, <laughs> but you see when it's like, oh, that's a cappuccino or whatever. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah. How, how did you know that? Well, I you yeah. know, play the game. So yeah, Gran Turismo is what got me. In, they got me actually started. Like the, that's my. I didn't come from a car guy, so Gran Turismo is what got me started. And for the cappuccino, I brought that up because actually, um, it's a small car. It's a, it's actually sure. it's smaller than the car that's behind you. Yeah. And um, I'm actually putting a uh, a six cylinder. Uh, it's an engine that comes from a Supra, the Chaser. So I'm I'm, I'm cramming that engine into that car, which is just going to, it's just a, there's no purpose for this car other than to do it because I have the skills to fabricate and, and, and you yeah. know, build things like that. So it's just one, and it's, it's going to be in a magazine and builds like that is what kind of separates. Cause there's a lot of shops in Japan. You got sure. the tops, the top seekers and all those guys like that that make all the, the top time attack cars and, and drift cars. But there's, there's, you have to make a build like that to separate yourself. So that's mm-hmm. all I'm doing. I've already done it a little like, bit. Like a publicity thing. Yeah, you know, that's you, all it is. It, it gets you some recognition because it's, it's something different. Is. 
Yeah. And, w- and when a customer comes to the shop and say, hey, man, could you could you uh, could you change my brakes? I'll point at the car like, yeah, I could change your brakes, man. Yeah. So I, I just do things like that. But in, in a nutshell, man, it's um, just throwing crazy bills like that is what, what excites me. The electronic, the, the computer skills, the electronical skills, the things that, that I gained uh, in high school. I went to vocational school, which was computer repair, electronics, telecommunication. So that that's mm-hmm. what kind of. Uh, it, I was like, man, it's computer science or nothing. So when I got to University of Maryland, um, I realized I was really, really lacking in the uh, mathematical things. And and for Maryland, they really had an attitude where they weren't really there to teach you, well, teach you anything. They were like, you already, you should know it. We have to go. We yeah. don't have time to go backwards. So I did remedial. Um, it I passed that. I got back into Ultra One on One. I failed that again. And then I, I honestly, I my GPA went down. Um, I was doing a bunch of street racing. I got more involved into that. Then I kind of, you know, I had a $9,000 scholarship, man. And I, I just kind of, my third year, I was like, hey, man, I'm going to go to the military. And yeah. people called me dumb for doing it and whatever. And, you know, now I'm here in Japan. I got my own shop and family and things like that. So it worked out. Um, I still, I did a little bit more schooling. Actually, I have about maybe 30 more credits that I I need to go ahead and do a knockout and, and kind of get that uh, put behind yeah. me. But my, my thing about that is the guy, like I say, Julian made it out. It was It was definitely tough. Uh, but there's a lot of guys that don't, you know, they, everybody always point out, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and all those guys that are now, you know, right, right maybe right. maybe a, a secret trillionaire and he's just reporting yeah. he's a billionaire. But yeah. uh, not saying dropping out is cool, uh, but I just I, I kind of mm-hmm. needed a break. Yeah, you do. You do what makes you happy. And, and right. uh, um, you know, our younger son, Carson, I mean, he he went he's he's the opposite of Julian. Julian's known what he's done what he's going to do for a long time. And, and Carson went into school for one thing and then changed again and then changed again. And, and, and then what, you know, by, you know, his junior year wanted to drop out and we convinced, <laughs> we convinced him to just whatever you want to do, uh, while you're in school, just do, don't, don't worry about what you, what people expect or just do what you want to do to be happy, but just get right. your degree. We wanted him to finish his degree. And, yeah. uh, so he'll, He'll, he's got one more year, but but yeah, I, a lot of people do that, and it's a lot of times it's the third year that that, that gets to people too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pretty well known, but um, but yeah, it, it's 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 tough to to know at a younger age what you're going to do in the long run. So when you go to school, you might bounce around like that, and and or take a break or whatever. So. Right. And you you did you put you brought up you brought up a great fact of a little a little bit ago you saying that the guys gave you like warnings and like you know kind of get starting to get young into motorsports and you said guys give you warnings what were some of the things that they they said watch out for and also what would you say to a dad out there who wants like me I mean my 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 kids are all around cars they come to my shop it's like I don't teach them these things they just automatically pick up their car they want to go under the lift which I don't allow them to go in the lift because they're yeah. small yeah. hazardous and things like that and I, I can't wait to get them in a the shop and. And, and actually get some free child labor out of them and things like yeah. that. So, <laughs> so, the, uh, so what would you, what advice would you give to a dad that's got a newborn? He wants to get him into racing uh, and be the next Lewis Hamilton or, or something like that. I think, um, I mean, we went through the, you know, we went through the experience of, of um, for one thing, uh, teaching responsibility to kids at an early age is, is good for everybody. It's good for every kid. Um, we personally feel like, I mean, with, and with Julian and with Carson, we did the same thing, but, we were always, okay, you can do this. Now try this. You can do this. Now try this. So Julian was that kid who, you know, at two and a half years old, climbed up on the counter, got himself a bowl and made him some, some cereal. I mean, he just, he did things. Um, when it came to driving, as soon as he was getting fast in the cart, we put him in a shifter cart. As soon as he was getting fast in the shifter cart, we put him in a car. As soon as he was getting fast in a car, we were, you know, we were just trying to get him in a faster car. I mean, (laughs) there, there were things that there were things, um, 
let's just say that it wasn't always by the book that he was driving things pretty early um, right. uh, and, and some pretty powerful cars. So, mm. um, but, um, but in terms of, uh, I think it was a wake up call for us. And, 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 and we did hear early on that um, it's going to take a lot of money to become a race car driver. It's not going right. to be something, I mean, there's still, there's always going to be the right place, right time kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty rare. Most right. of it's going to be you either you either somehow get a get a sponsor behind you, or you have a lot of money, or whatever. Otherwise, don't assume that it's able to happen. I mean, I, I never want to tell people. You know, you. I mean, there's always that you can do anything you want if you put your mind to it. Right. Uh, yeah, there's some truth yeah. to that, but, <laughs> but but you don't instantly you don't instantly make money. So. Mm. So when it comes to uh, you know a race team saying yeah you, we want you to run with us you know you can be you can be the number one driver for fifty grand a weekend yeah. I mean what do you do you don't I'm not I'm sorry I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take out another mortgage on my house so my kid can can run four weekends of racing I mean it's just right. you know that's not how it works so um, I think the big thing is that uh, follow what they're passionate about um, there's there's a father son that we know we know the father from autocrossing. Um, his name's Van Townsend, mm. and his son is named Phineas. Mm. And if you look him up, you'll find him real quick. Um, so Van has always lived in Colorado, and he's a stay-at-home dad. And uh, he started snowboarding with him really early, like like so early he was just basically carrying him, you know. Right. And then he and then he got him a little board that was like this big, right? <laughs> and 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 of course the, the interesting thing about kids is you can. I'm going to say this tongue in cheek. You can abuse them in terms of right. them falling and and like things that would you and I would get hurt. I would particularly get hurt really quick. Kids right. when they're when they're when they're three feet off the ground, you can let them fall down the whole hill and and yeah. they'll get up and laugh and move yeah. on. And so at that age, he was letting Phineas do whatever. So you know from from when he goes straight down the hill to all of a sudden he still can't make turns, but he's sending him off a jump. And mm-hmm. Phineas you know jumping and landing. Next thing you know, he's landing them and. Now I think uh, how old is he? You have to look him up. But if you yeah, look I'll him, up, like I said, him up, you'll find him real fast. So he's been snowboarding this whole time since he was like, I don't know, two, three years old or whatever. And they do it father and son. They're mm. always out there. And he doesn't push them, but as a kid, the kid wants to be pushed. They want to go further. They want to do more. They want to learn more and stuff. They don't get hurt very easy. Right. So that makes it easier if if they're enjoying it, then then take them to the next level as right. long as they're enjoying it. And like I said, I had, I had one of each. I had one that never wanted anything other than racing, cars, right. everything. I had to teach Julian how, how to recognize that people were tuning him out because mm-hmm. he wanted to talk about cars all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know how that is, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get in a conversation with somebody who's not a car person. You, you learn how to not to. You just don't bring it up. Oh, or you, you start talking and you, see yeah. them go, and you see them start going, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you realize they're not paying attention anymore. Yeah. Joey was only like 10 or 11 years old and I'm teaching him this because he wanted to talk about cars all the time. And yeah. so jump to the other side, I had Carson who who enjoyed driving the cart and like any any kid would do, you know, going fast, you know, doing things with it, but didn't want to talk about cars all the time, didn't have that huge interest in cars. So uh so he got out of it. And now he enjoy, he has a Mini Cooper and he enjoys driving it. Um, I think he's he's I think he enjoys it enough. He used to say, "Just get me an automatic Toyota Corolla and I'll be fine. I don't care." Mm. Or I don't need a car. You know, he actually went through a phase of that. 
I think now he when he when he like he drove my I have an RSX Type S and um, he drove that one day and he's like this is fun you know because the Mini yeah. is a great handling <laughs> car but but doesn't have that speed right. and, and when he hit the VTEC and the RSX he's like wow yeah. this is you know so he's got a little bit of that car person in him you know a lot mm. of people a lot of guys do a lot of people do um, but he's not in any way like Julian, you know, in terms of what he enjoyed and, and, and how much he could be pushed. So, uh, and that's, like I said, so that's why at 12 years old, it was like, you know, you either put the effort in because you enjoy it or you stop. And he chose yeah. to stop and he moved on to like soccer and, and put a lot of time into that. But, um, but it's, it's so, still like for, for Carson, it's still, it's still one of those things where like, uh, I always, cause I, I, I compete in martial arts. I do. So I'm, I'm in, I do music. I do, um, music, martial arts cars is pretty much the nucleus of what I do. Um, so the thing about it, like you said, yourself, your family, you, you're out at, you know, you're, you're out somewhere eating or whatever. And that, in that restaurant, you're the only guy, you're like the top drivers in the restaurant in, in that <laughs> radius. You're the top drivers sure. in there. So okay. like you got Carson who is not really into like, you know, deep, deep into it, right. but still at any given point, if something went down and it was like, we got a race for our lives, he'll hop in the car and do better than anybody else around them. Sure. Absolutely. And absolutely. And it's like one of those alter, alter ego, like varied skill sets that nobody knows about. Cause you don't talk about it, but right, he'll be right. like, Hey dude, you suck uh, at, at, at apex. And they're like, what do you mean apex? And we're clipping. What do you mean? Clipping points. Yeah. So like he's, even though he like, he's not like deep into it, he's still way well off in skill sets yeah, exactly. than exactly. everybody else around him. That's well, that, that's right why there. I said, that's why I said earlier too, that he was overshadowed. Yeah. Um, I mean, he went to nationals and in a group of 15 kids, he got fourth at third or fourth, I think was his best finish there. And so he was still pretty quick, but right. next to Julian, it was, it was, you know, hard yeah. to fast, but, um, but it's, it's also in the family as a, as a whole fun thing. I mean, this car was really, I would have never spent the money on it if it wasn't for Lisa. I mean, right. you know, wife is, is she, she enjoys cars and she enjoys racing them. And, and, and this, the reason we ended up with this was because we had raced shifter carts for, right. uh, for me, it was six years. And for Lisa, it was actually eight years. She, mm. I stopped and she kept going. And, um, and when, it got to the point where it was beating up on us a little bit more and maintaining. It was just, you know, you know, again, it was one of these things I had maintained carts for so many years. I got a little tired of it, but, right. um, but so we switched over and, uh, we, we did a couple different things. We had a highly modified, uh, first gen, gen Miata. And then, mm-hmm. and then I went from that to a, to a newer Miata. And I also had a few little things in between, but, but early on, right after we got out of carts, we actually, I co-drove one of these. Mm. Um, and that year Lisa was in a cart and her cart broke just prior to nationals and she jumped in with us, mm. uh, driving one. So a, driving a caterum and, mm. um, she loved it. She absolutely loved it. And so in the coming years, when we started driving other cars, again, small cars, I mean, first gen Miata, fourth gen Miata, um, mini Coopers, things like that. And everything she drove, she's like, it's just not the same. Yeah. And, and she knew that the caterum was closer to driving a go-kart. And so, um, we uh, we lost a dear friend of ours, and I don't know if you remember him. He was around at the time, Mike Klein. Um, he was a um, uh, great friend, and he used to travel with us. To uh, He was a shifter car driver, and he used to travel all over the country with us mm. um, to those events and was basically like an uncle to the boys. Mm. And um, he passed away of cancer pre, you know, very mm. young age, and uh, this was about two, two, two and a half years ago now. And um, – Lisa and I started talking. We're like, you know, we want this car. We can't afford to do it right now, but I don't want to find out that 
you know, I, I have cancer or, or, you know, you have cancer or somebody, you know, right, we, right, we right. This now and, um, and so we're still paying for it, but, uh, but we went ahead and did it. And, um, uh, and so and the car's a blast and I, and actually lately yeah. because of what's been going on with COVID and everything, right, right, right. um, we haven't been autocrossing, but I've been kind of, I know where to take the car back to, but I've actually been dialing it more for the street lately, uh, making it more comfortable, softening the spring rates up a lot. Um, uh, you know, uh, stuff like that, but, um, and trying to make it more streetable and friendly, more, more padding in the seats. Cause they're just yeah. curtains in there. And <laughs> this thing was brutal on the street. I mean, it was, yeah. it, was it was bad, but, uh, but yeah, so, so, uh, but in terms of, of the kids, you know, I think it's just one of those things where you, you, you just have to go where they take you, you know, right. um, you can steer them a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, and, and because, you know, because dad's in the garage, they want to be in the garage. Right. Um, and then they'll get to a certain point where it won't ma- they, they don't care if dad's in the garage anymore. And they, they either want to be in the garage themselves or they want to go do something else. Yeah. You know? And, um, uh, obviously a lot of kids get put in that first toy driving car, a little electric car or whatever. Mm. And very few of them go on to the go-kart, but yeah. obviously that's the next step. Um, I think, uh, if they have an interest, what we did was, you know, you get them in the battery powered car a lot and you put, throw some cones on the driveway or wherever you can, it's safe. And, and you let them learn the responsibility that they're behind, you know, a, in our case, a big, you know, massive steel that can kill yeah. people. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But when they're, when they're in that little plastic battery powered car, yeah. um, I used to jump in front of them on purpose. Mm. They had to hit the brakes. And if they right. hit me, then I would know scold them a little bit you, you know you need to then make sure that you don't hit people because it hurts right, 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 um right, right. you know obviously in reality it wasn't that big a deal and but i want to make sure that they understand that the next step is something faster and something more powerful and something more dangerous and whatever and and um you know like the go-kart and then and then of course the car after that but but um um but yeah you i mean anything from matchbox cars to you know to the to battery powered cars and and you know magazines and the pictures and the cool colors and the the, the cool noises the cars make and, and yeah. in some cases the cool smells the cars have and yeah. um, you know all that stuff applies in it and and the kids take it all in and it's just a matter I mean uh, just a quick example my next door neighbor who was had a, a son who was growing up at the exact same time and mm-hmm. my next door neighbor was actually a BMW instructor for the track mm-hmm. and his son never had any interest at all. And it was kind yeah. of a bummer for him. But at the same yeah. time, you know, well, he's not into it. That, that's the way it goes. But that's just, it's just an example of, you know, dad does it all the time. Dad's into it. Son's not, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, but you'll see that all the time. You'll see the son or the daughter who hangs out with the dad or the mom or whoever who's into cars and, and does it all the time. And, and that's just the direction they're going to go. And some mm. of them become you know, the engineers or, or the shop mechanics or, or body shop or whatever, um, because they enjoy being around cars. And there's, you know, I think the, the, the neat thing, just to sort of segue into, um, car culture in general is, um, uh, there's so much to a car that applies to just about everything. I mean, like you were talking about electronics and wiring, uh, computers in cars, uh, obviously now with Julian's, Julian's becoming a software engineer. He's actually training to become oh, yeah, a software yeah. engineer because they need him to, to work on the, te- to, to be able to understand the Tesla stuff. Right. Um, but you know, the, 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 the metals, the, the, the paint, the art, the artistic form of a car, there's so much involved to it. Mm. And 
Um, I've been doing a lot of car shows lately because we don't have autocrosses. And one of the reasons we wanted to get this car was because it's also cool for the, you know, the cruising nights and the the car Mm. culture stuff. And, um, uh, one of the things that I've learned to appreciate, of course, when I was younger and just starting autocrossing too, um, you know, I had this little bit of attitude of, you know, you don't understand how a car handles or how fast it is or whatever. Um, or if you're drag racing, you're only driving in a straight line or, right, or, right. or if you're, if you're doing stance, you know, you're, but the one thing that I've come to appreciate, and don't get me wrong, I still don't like a lot of that stuff, yeah. but what I've come to appreciate is, is if anything, you are so, we're right here together in the sense that we both have this desire, right. um, for cars and that, and the culture of it. Now, of course, in the aspect of cars, we're probably, you know, we're more like this, You're right. but <laughs> you know, like there was a guy pulled in, I was, I went to a show on father's day. Um, and there was a, you know, there was a, a GTR that pulled in all stanced. Um, oh, and I'm man. like, oh, man, what are you doing? You just, just ruined it. <laughs> but but it's, it's another culture, you know, it's, right. it, and it's, it's, it's what they want to do with cars. And, and I have a pre I appreciate that they still appreciate cars and right. that, I guess my way of looking at that is that's art. It's because it's not, it's not handling. It's not good for speed. It's Mm. art. It's just, it's, it's, um, and I'm pretty sure this was Japan that I, I came across a website at one point. I saw some really crazy stuff that they were doing with cars with these weird exhausts that were coming out of the back. It's it's called a Bosu Soku. It's a, uh, that, that comes from uh, like it's one of it derives from guys. First, they started from bikes because in Japan, have you ever been to Japan before? No, no. All right, so in Japan, um, the, the driving, getting your license is very expensive for just a regular car. Mm-hmm. You have to test for manual, then you have to test for truck. So the go the driving school here is mandatory. And it's been mandatory since like the fifties. I think it's roughly about three to four thousand dollars equivalent mm-hmm. uh, again to U.S. So they got to go there. So, but uh, bike uh, for anything 125 cc's and under, you don't require a license or a uh, anything. You just you mm-hmm. know make sure it has like a little tag from the city hall just yeah. to know it's not stolen. But um, so they heard the biker gang. So the, the Bos- Bosu guys, they would put like these big exhaust pipes on a bike, 110 cc's. So they sound like a. It sounds more powerful than what it really is. Yeah. And uh, they would put the big pipes in it. Then they, those guys got licensed and they transferred over to the car. So the cars, you're right. They have like these crazy long bumpers on it and splitters right. and spoilers right, and exhaust right. they're star shaped and they just they're not fast they're just obnoxiously loud and they're really illegal um in japan um you have a uh, biannual and safety inspection which is the reason why i have 30 i have 29 cars right now in my own possession because <laughs> most of the cars they after a certain point um it's not worth uh demodifying or saving for it's not it's not well, it'll fail a test because you got a roll cage in without padding or something like that. You don't want to take the roll cage out, so you just get another car. So for me, mm-hmm. I did about two years, and I get another car, and I get I just kept doing that, repeating that process. Uh, some guys they just give up on a car because maybe it has has a rust spot in the floorboard, right. and just cut that out, put new metal in it. So a lot of those guys, a lot of those cars, they end up um, they're not road legal. They just you can get a um, certificate and drive it to a car show just for the weekend and then okay. you don't drive it anymore. So there's a lot of wild cars here, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of Tokyo area, a lot of Ferraris, a lot of MP1s, a lot of all that stuff there. Uh so the, the yeah, car culture Sorry, I want to interrupt you just real quick cuz it has to do yeah. with this. Where does this fall in line with what I had read or heard that uh one of the reasons cuz I got an import motor. This is a, this right. is a K20A. Okay, yeah. Um, this is out of a Euro Accord R. Mm-hmm. And 
they're all supposed to be under 50,000 miles or some law that has to do with that or they they uh they will if it's over 80,000 kilometers they will uh you'll get a slightly higher tax there that's their way of cuz the cars last like the K20 you got right sure. there is going to last forever sure. as long as you keep oil in it and even without oil it's going to last cuz it's <laughs> Honda yeah. um the the um what they want to do, like I, I guess you should say, I'm going to get politically correct, but I'll say how it is. In America, you got the Ford, you got the Ford Mustang GT, then you got everything else. You got the Fiesta and all that stuff. Right. It's only the last two years. In Japan, the cars last forever. Right. So to get the guys to get newer cars, they uh, they uh, tax them for driving a higher mileage older car. Okay. So so the only guys in Japan you see driving an old like uh, Cedric or something that's older like a Hachiroku are guys that are into it. If you're not yeah. into it. You drive the latest cars because you want to pay right. less money. And right. also the K, the K, like for example, the K, the K, the Caterham would be considered a K car here because it's under a certain a certain width, a certain length, and also the uh, not so much the engine. Well, actually, I take that back because it has a two liter in it. It wouldn't mm-hmm. be a K because K's is under, uh, I believe, under one one liter or something like that. Okay. Uh, so the K cars are cheap on tax. For a tax Japanese, you would pay about uh, maybe two hundred and two hundred bucks. Uh, for a regular size car, uh, RSX, R- RX7, you're gonna pay 540 bucks for road okay. tax, and that's road okay. tax. So yeah. So anyway, in a nutshell, to answer your question, they they do that um, to to get people to buy new cars. That's it. So mm-hmm. you go to the junkyards here. The junkyards are not junkyards here. They're used cars lots that with cars stacked on top of each other because each one of those cars they start up, they drive, they may have like a dragging brake caliber on the left side, or uh, it has a stuffed cat uh, cowlick converter or something like that. Uh, but the cars are a, a junkyard in Japan can can be a used car lot somewhere in, in Tennessee. Like, yeah, seriously, it's, right? It's crazy. Right. So you see all these stuff, all the stuff there. But the culture overall, uh, in like you said in America, like you said in the car thing, and, and to bring it to kind of make it make sense, uh, in the states, all, I think worldwide, we're still the minority as far as car people, as far as guys who are really into cars versus guys who are into like. You know, doing whatever, doing cosplay or doing uh, reenactments of war and things like that, right. or whatever, or, or just sports. Being into sports, mm-hmm. there's there's more people into the Tennessee Titans than there is into uh, auto racing. There's right. a very a very or, or, or I should kind of take that back. That actually do it. That actually spend the money, build the cars, go and do the test uh, testing tunes, and everything. And, and everybody else kind of just spectate. So we're in it. Right. I'm personally. I'm one of the guys where, and I, I think I'm growing out of it a little bit. I, I can't watch. I can't watch. Uh, I I can't go to an event if my car is broken and I don't have the cash. I it it boils my blood to watch somebody oh, sure, else. Sure. I mean, you know I don't, it, no. I mean, I would I absolutely. <laughs> I, would go, I would never go to an autocross if I wasn't driving. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're afraid. Yeah, because yeah. I have for like because I'm on the committee and that sort of right, thing. Right, right, right. Generally. Even if my car's not working, I'll get a ride in somebody else's exactly. so exactly. that I can still race that day or do something. Right. I, 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 want, I, I don't know if I've ever gone the whole day without driving. I'm oh, pretty yeah. sure I've driven every single time. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I mean it, it's, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, definitely, it's definitely not something that you can just sit back and watch. You want to yeah. do it. And that, you know that's, it. that's actually how I've always felt about all sports, though. Um, you know, growing up, um, I played ice hockey, and I watched a little bit of it on television. But my brother and my father would always watch football, um, usually mostly football and hockey, maybe a little baseball or basketball. But they still, to this day, watch it together and talk about it and things like that. I was always like, you know what? I can't watch it. I, I'm, I just, I just want to go do it. That's that's right. the only thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, I'm definitely more of a doer. You know, I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't watch the stuff. Uh, I, 
I've been to a couple of like if it's a new style event. I, I think when um, um, what were they calling it? Global Rally Cross. I think mm. Global Rally Cross is what they were calling when they were they were setting up at stadium, sort of big parking lots, and they bring in the dirt and they would right. make tracks, and it was sort of pavement and dirt. Um, there was one of those in D.C. at one point. We went to one of those, and that's cool to watch, especially to be there in person. But um, and then and there's other racing events I watch on TV, TV and I and I do follow uh, Formula One. Mm. But uh, even that gets a little old. Uh, you know, mm. I want to do stuff. I don't want to. I don't want to watch it on TV. So yeah, it's, I think it's just a. It's, it comes down to like a, there's people that are just perfectly fine with sitting like in a in a rafters and, and observing. And I just never been one of those people personally. I've always people call it like you're you're like a, you're I guess a, you want to bring attention to yourself, but it's not that. It's just that we, there's doers and there's watchers and, and this yeah. type of people. Like if, for example, uh, you see like a lot of this stuff going on with all this stuff going on. Right, I, I don't really talk about too much with the, the corona and then, uh, yeah. Yeah. the riots and all that stuff. Right. Like I, I'm not the guy that would be holding the camera. Like if somebody's in danger, and I've done it multiple times in the military and, and yeah. see people. I've done it. I've haven't even recorded it. It's like. I help somebody, you know, somebody's crashed. I'll go see if they're okay or whatever. The car's yeah, on fire. Yeah. I pull them out the car and I didn't record it. And it was like, cool. That would have been a bunch of likes and stuff on YouTube. But <laughs> right. It's that's... a different generation, man. Where <laughs> I'm 37, that's but it's not really the way to do it. You know, yeah. I mean, if somebody's like, yeah, man, let, let's run. Like you got the camera, you got the camera behind you. So you got to start the app up and then you, the guys are burning in his car and that's five seconds you, for your app to open up. And you got to, it's like, man, just yeah. do it. And, uh, and, and social media again, like, uh, us being able to talk here, the technology is great, uh, but yeah. I think a lot of people use it wrong. And, and one thing I, I get into, um, kind of like uh, to, to blend everything with the car stuff, um, I I run automotive performance shop. I'm 37, and and, and most guys, I mean, that's young to have a whole. You got a whole shop, international thing. I can ship cars. I can do everything. Yeah. Um, so the guys come here that are 21, 22 years old. Uh, when I got in the game in '99, there was only Chilton manuals, so there was no internet. There was only you go to AutoZone and read the book a little bit, and the guy right, would scream right. at you for not buying it. Right. And uh, there was no, there was no, there was no scanners available. Yeah. They were not small. Uh, yeah. So the guys now you have YouTube, you got Google, you got all this. Not you can pretty much be a you can teach yourself, I guess slightly to be an engineer just yeah. by watching and reading the, the stuff. Yeah, out a lot there. of it so, is just yeah, just step by step instructions yeah. on certain things, and yeah. and uh, you know the, the professionals in each of those fields need to make a living but right. there's a lot of stuff too that 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 um that you want to do on your own anyway and you're going to find mm. a way to do it now it's just a little quicker by by yeah. watching a youtube video as yeah. opposed to having to find the right book or whatever but um but yeah it, it it's uh yeah yeah uh, it's, it's definitely different man with it's just uh, technology is great i just think it's, it's um I, I think for us tooling tooling is has made uh you see a lot more cooler builds from guys that are doing that garage stuff now because everybody you can get a tig welder now for under under a thousand bucks that does both dcac yeah. um you could do aluminum so back in the day i remember i, I take it for granted now because i got i got benders aluminum and all the stuff downstairs and 15 years ago i was on ebay paying somebody 50 bucks for a, a bin a mm -hmm. s bin with a weld in the middle with a filter on it now i could do that i could just make it right now and right. uh, so the the, the tech the technology the tooling has made um, you know things like CNC machines are a lot smaller. You can make a lot more parts and everything. And for your the, so the uh, catamaran behind you, you guys mm -hmm. bought it. It was already assembled and everything. Or? So so well, just to be clear, this is a stalker. This is a um, okay, a, okay, sorry. the Brunton stalker. So this is a replica. It's not actually okay. a caterum. Um, okay. But um, and and just in brief, if, if for people to understand, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lotus Seven was you know the 50s, 60s. 
uh, into the seventies. And then, and then Lotus sold the rights to Caterham and, and then, um, Cater and so a Caterham today is still a pure seven, pure super seven, like, like the Lotus. It's just a different, you know, a different name in front of it, but it's not Mm -hmm. like, um, a Caterham is not a copy of a Lotus. This is a copy of a Lotus or a a copy of a Caterham. Mm -hmm. Um, so the, the body and everything's the same, but the, um, the chassis is a little bigger, uh, Brunton or it's not Brunton anymore. It's uh, stalker cars. Um, Mm. uh, Scott, uh, Scott Meinhart runs the company now and, and, um, they build them more for racing. So, okay. um, so this car has actually got. Um, actually, I can show you if you want. Is that is that something you'd want on the show? That's, that, that's cool. If you you got, yeah, you got I, a, I can yes. walk around with it. Yeah, that's um, fine. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be the first podcast walk around. <laughs> so it's going to be a little tougher because this is a computer. But um, yeah. uh, but uh, so this so basically what it is is is, is if you look at the, the suspension, it's a push rod and bell crank style suspension. This. I'm gonna put it down for a second. You're gonna have to no add. problem. No problem. All right. Okay. So if you look in there, you can see that it's that it's a, that it's an inboard shock setup. Mm. Okay. As a, and so each each of these things can. I mean, you've got double adjustable shocks, and then your spring rate changes based on 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 the, the location of your your push rod, mm. um, which moves through all these holes here. Is that is that tra- yep. can you see that all? I can see. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so, the, so the, the significance of this car is that it's basically a, um, it's a, it looks like a Caterham, but it's more designed for, and, and, and the guy who builds them is an autocrosser. Mm. Um, and so both his brother, both, he has two brothers that, that autocross nationally and, um, and this, and so he builds them for that. So the front, the front suspension is also, um, the front suspension is also a, uh, an inboard shock setup Okay, and. And then you know the night. The cool thing about it too is that you know everything's right there. Yeah, uh, easy you know, work. Going. You want to <laughs> pull the you want to pull the oil filter off? It's right there. So yeah. Um, so yeah, it's real easy to work on and real lightweight. The um, the uh, but the stalker is a little heavier than a Caterham. So a Caterham, um, I would say a Caterham is about uh, in race trim is probably about. Thousand or eleven hundred pounds, something like that. Mm. Um, flare there. Yeah, um, a little glare. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So uh, this one, this one in race trim is about thirteen hundred and fifty pounds, and then uh, about fifteen hundred in street trim with a full tank of gas. So mm. fifteen hundred is that's this car heavy is fifteen hundred. Right. Right. Um. Um. But I'm actually overweight for the class that we run. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yeah. So because it's not a Caterham, because it's not a, the chassis is not as as thin, um, and there's more metal of this one. It ends up being I, I think my weight with drivers supposed to be 1420, and I'm about mm. 15. 10 i think it is something like that yeah, so it's already, it's already light was it's not like much you can remove from it it's already no like, i mean, yeah. I, mean there's a, <laughs> I, I mean i can go to a lighter weight battery um i can i can you know obviously take out the passenger seat when we run um right, right. things like that but uh, we're not we're not as worried about being competitive as we used to be uh we're just mm. trying to enjoy the car now but um but yeah it, it's such a hoot and 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 the cool thing is it, it's it's a unique car so you oh, go yeah, to yeah. these you know, cars and coffee or, or, uh, or car show kind of things, people want to know about it. It's fun. Mm. And, and that's obviously just like I am with you right now. That's one of those things I enjoy doing is, is, 
just meeting new people and hanging out and talking about cars with people. And, and, um, while the COVID thing has kept me away from racing this season completely. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's enlightened me so much more in the car show thing. So I'm, I mean, I'm trying to go to them every weekend. I mean, I'm, yeah. and sometimes two and three in a weekend. I mean, I'm doing Friday, Saturday and Sunday sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I, this car had 400 miles on it, uh, coming into the, to this year, you know, in March and, you know, for a car that's, that looks like that and it's not an everyday driver, I put 800 miles on it in the last couple of months. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm driving it a ton. So, and I'm enjoying it. And that's what, yeah, you know, that's why we do this stuff. So. It's definitely, it's definitely cool. Like here in, in Japan, the, the, they're the, the classes of, um, there's actually, there's a lot more guys that do static and, uh, car shows than narrow guys that actually race. So, I mean, when you're in a scene, it seems like you, you go to the event of 70 cars. So you feel like when you're in that, you're in Sakuba or you're at Fuji or whatever, all the circuit, the major circuits, you're like, Oh man, this is a big thing. But then you get home, like you realize there's only 80, 80 guys there plus the staff, uh, who some of those guys, they want to be on a track, but they don't have the skills. They don't want to push their card. It's the only card. Then they'll, they'll end up doing the Stafford events, the flagging and things right. like that. Right. So they can still be involved with it, be around the smells, be around the cars. You know, you see a R35, you see a Lotus or whatever. And, um, it's a pretty cool thing, but it's just like one of those things you still realize, man, we're still as crazy, as big as it is. It's like you when you think about it, like, man, we're still a minority. So all these 100 cars in this parking lot, there's 300 people over there at Starbucks right now on, on just, just watching Game of right. Thrones or whatever, man. Right. So none of this Game of Thrones. I, I watched every episode out there, guys. Right. Uh, no, no, not, not hating on it, but just an example. But um, it's just one of those things where in a, in a car life, I well, before it was actually my livelihood now where I actually make, I mean, it actually makes me money and keeps my family fed and things like that. Uh, I always should say it was my life and everything. And then like, it's a different thing where, um, cars, it's nothing wrong with saying that, but it's just, um, some guys, I, again, I, I would say I benefit from guys quitting and a lot of guys they get into it. They buy a car, buy a GTR, they, they, they spend, they get a, a loan for 15 grand yeah, and then they got to get another loan for twenty grand to fix the car and bring it back to what it was twenty years ago, and right. that just about kills them. When they do that, they build. I build the engine for them. I put a new clutch in it, and I'm like, well, you know, now all the weak stuff is going like your bushings, your suspension. Yeah, and I'm like, so you need another six grand for that? And they're like, man, yeah. I thought that. I'm like, no, dude, that was only one part of the car. And, yeah. Uh, so the biggest thing I do um, here now, I have cars that are eight hundred horsepower, six hundred horsepower. But I, I get the best uh, satisfaction out of driving cars that with at least a small amount of power because I show the guys I can take 300 horsepower, 280 horsepower with suspension settings and I can beat your car that's 500 horsepower. And I, I right. love doing it. And it, yeah. it, don't, it only works on guys that are honestly not at the level of driving. For sure. sure. No, the so, newer people. Well, yeah, no, yeah. Like you were saying earlier, right. I mean, a lot of people think they can drive. Right. But if they uh, or set up a car, if they can't do those things and they think they can, they're way off base. And that's yeah. and that's what happens. Unfortunately, that's also what happens. That's why if you're trying to grow a sport or something, you have to you have to tiptoe around it a little bit because people are discouraged a lot easier right. when when the bar is so much higher than they realize. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so for like new autocrossers, a lot of times you might lose somebody because they come out, um, you know, initially and they think they're fast. And they'll come to a DC region, you know, autocross and they get killed. I mean, yeah. by everybody. Not <laughs> yeah. just, you know, and these are people who thought they were the fat, they were like, they were going to be one of the fastest people there. The, the stock, um, the stock, stock Civic or stock Miata with uh, yeah. RT615s on it. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so, I mean, that's where you have to kind of, if you want to grow the sport or you want more people to be involved, you have to be a little bit careful about how you present it. And, right. And, right. You know, um, and don't tell people they suck and <laughs> you, know, yeah. you want to come back. Yeah. But, um, but at the same time, there's also some people, I mean, we've run into people before that you don't want back anyway. I mean, the, the yeah. attitude, the, the attitude, attitude, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, they're not doing anything good for the sport by coming into it. But, um, um, you know, sometimes it's people with a lot of money, sometimes people with a lot of attitude. So, mm. but yeah, I met, I met some great guys. Uh, one of the guys I still remember to the day I met it actually at the school it was a guy named, his name is John. He drove a, 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 I forgot what kind of Porsche it was, but he had just got the Porsche. I think he had S2000 before that. And we were at the same school. It was a black, uh, I forgot. I, I'll look him up, but, um, uh, I remember the school we did over there across in a small parking lot, uh, across mm -hmm. from the bigger parking lot. And yep. um, yeah, the like H you said, man, it was on the H lot, right? You're talking about this. Yeah, yeah it was right across from the A lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the uh, the you guys were, man, again, man, it's like you, I could tell you guys been I could just, you know, I see I met your dad and uh, I could you know I could tell I talked to him a little bit. I could tell you guys been in it. I just something I sense that I'm like, man, this, these guys have been in it for a while, for a long yeah. time. Just yeah. how, how relaxed you were around a car, how calm you were. And I was still in that phase where I was just getting out of the uh, I was I was putting the street stuff behind me because I was in the military at that time. When you met me, I was actually my first my um, actually right after you met me, I went to Iraq and then I got back from Iraq and then I went to Japan. So okay. I was only at 2007. Uh, so. I was just getting into, I was leaving the street stuff behind and like the uh, unofficial car shows and going into racing. So I was really like, again, starting over again, meeting new guys. And I was like, man, these guys are, I was again mad because I spent all these years on the street wasting time. And I could have yeah. been doing autocross back in like oh <laughs> three, oh four, man. And, yep. and uh, well, so I, I, look at me, I was, a, I was a car person and, yeah. uh, and, and I, and you know, you figure I was in 1999, I was, yeah. I was uh, 27 years old. That's mm. what I discovered it. And my parents did it. Right. My parents did it, but they just didn't, they just, you know, they didn't they, push it on you. They didn't push it on me or anything. And about, about all I did at, at the older age was, I mean, I, again, I probably did some dumb stuff in the car and right. um, my father taught me some lessons, but you know, reading <laughs> car magazines and you know, that's it. But I, there was never, um, there wasn't, I don't think there was much of a desire, I guess, for them to get us into, to the, to the racing stuff. Um, uh, probably cause they knew it was going to be a money pit, you know? Yeah. But well, yeah. when I but when I got when I got into it and I got them back into it, it was really cool for the family. And that and that's yeah. the nice thing is that um, we had a, an unusual scenario where we we got all four of well, all six of us autocrossing, mm. uh, and that made it great because while it was a long day because we were always there for the entire event, um, we were there as a family. You know, right. children, parents, and grandparents. You know, mm. and the, all the time. Um, which was really cool. And, and, and those years were, were awesome. My parents are, my father's still involved a little bit. Um, but he's, you know, getting up there in age and it's a little harder right. for him to go, uh, the long days. My mother stopped. She, it, it really, you know, got, um, got hard for her to be out there all day right. on the pavement all day. But, um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a really cool thing to do with the family. And I think that's, uh, why so many, so many parents get excited if they're, if they're, if their kids interested in it. Um, and we, there's another, you know, there's a few families that there's many families I know around the country that, that do this together, but there's, you know, there's one, one particular local family. It's a, a mother. It was, you know, it was the, the parents that were into it. I think they were Porsche club before they met, mm. before they got into the SCCA stuff. Um, or maybe it was BMW club. I can't remember, but, um, they were friends with, uh, Danny Ko. I don't know if you ever met or remember Danny Ko. Um, I, I heard, I know the name. Yeah. So, um, 
they, I think she was his boss, Danny's boss or something. And so he mm-hmm. got them to come out. So the parents came out and then the next thing you know, we're doing schools with them. And then their 16 year old son came out and getting his driver's license and did autocross schools. And then their daughter did it. So there's mm-hmm. four of them that do it now together. Um, and, and again, and there's, there's, there's value in the, in the family time and there's value in the, in the driving skill. All of that's important. Um, and that's what makes the, the these motorsports so cool. So there's, there's a trend, you know, there's a, there's a connection between the road and, and then there's, a, of course, like I said about the, how the car is, you know, it, there's so many aspects to the car that they can be attractive to somebody, whether it's the, the artistic part of it or the paint mm-hmm. or the uh, the wheels, the tires, the electronics, the software, you know, all that stuff. Um, there's just so many cool things about cars that I think we all enjoy, and that's why we we stay with it for so long. You know, there's, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know too many people that just disappear out of the car scene. No, and, you, you, you're, I think you're either into it. You you kind of get. I'm pretty sure again, you run into guys. You've been in the game a long time. Again, they get into it. They they generally again. Some guys come from a family that do that do it. Uh, so they got that um, kind of like know it all, like I know everything type yeah. of deal. And then you got the guys who are just fresh into it. Um, again, I, I kind of go back to, I touched on a little bit. Uh, I, I didn't come from a family w- that were into cars. I got into cars by Gran Turismo 1, and now I got Gran Turismo GT Sport downstairs. I got three rigs set up. And then even with the, the, the Gran Turismo, you know, it's controller back in the day. Now games mm-hmm. are designed for wheels. So I got, uh, I probably got a, if I'll add up, I think I have about maybe six grand roof of uh, PC and, and seats and wheels and yeah. stuff downstairs. And that's the guys how, come that's how Julian learned, you know, that's yeah. where he started on Gran Turismo. That's where he started <laughs> battery powered cars and stuff, but that's how he right. started. And he learned how to drive mm-hmm. rear wheel drive, front wheel drive, you know, rear engine, mid engine. I mean, all that, yeah. that train, I mean, it's not, don't yeah. get me wrong. It wasn't a great simulator, but right. still, it still handled the way it was supposed to. Right. And so yeah, there's, those little setups with the, with the, uh, the little chassis with the wheels. Uh, it's, 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 it's totally, uh, again, uh, me being an actual racer now, like one thing I'm going to go towards, like well, it was going to be this summer, but next summer when everything releases, was getting my pro grip, my pro grip license because they have, uh, we have, there's the JAF level, there's JAF is JAF is pretty much like SECA uh, in Japan. It's it's called JAF Japan Federation Japan uh, Automotive Federation. Uh, so to get any, so you see any of the guys doing Sakuba time attacks, whatever, you got to start at Jaffers. You can't you can't just pop into the event, even if you got a car, a shop, you got to start. Your, your acceleration will be fast because I got S2000s, I got MR2s, MRSs. And um, so I show up with a car, I do like a, they have you literally do figure eights. You do like, you got to do an e-rig J-turn. You got to do all these different things to show the levels. Then you go to the next level. Then you rank up. Then they, they that's their way of knowing when you get to the event, they know you can drive. So right, right. It, it'll be a weekend for me to go through all that stuff and get all my things. So that's, my focus was drifting at first. Now I'm like, drifting doesn't make money. I've been open four years. I've, I've made zero dollars from a drifter. Zero dollars. Yeah, yeah. All my money comes from grip guys and street guys. Yeah, um, yeah. So it was like one of those things where I had to, uh, now I have to really get those licenses to show guys I'm not just talking. They, when I go to the track and I show them, um, my validation is a Japanese guy saying I'm very fast. And uh, uh, again, I attribute it to autocross. I always think of, man, every time I'm on a track, yeah. man, it sounds weird. I'm talking to you now. I'm like, man, Brian, you know, what he told me, one thing I, I, I picked up from you, we only met a few times out there, was you were, you told me you're either on the gas or off the gas. You're, yeah. not, you're not thinking about You're not hovering over it. You're yeah. on the brakes or you're off the brakes. And that was one of the yeah. things I always think about. And it's like when I go into an apex, I dive in or where some guys, I guess, because I, I my car is on a truck. I understand they got to drive home. So they, they can't go 100%. They got to go right. 95%. 
So yep. me, I'm going 110. percent I don't really. If I break it, I'm gonna put it on the trailer. Right, uh, right. So they're like, "Hey, man, you're fast," and I'm out lapping turbo. Like, there's a what was Lotus out there? There was uh, turbocharged RSX and supercharged, and I'm lapping these guys. They're pulling over, and I'm, I got this bone stock MR MR bone stock MRS yeah, MRS at this particular event. Never drove it before. Never never drove never pushed MRS. So I spun yeah. out. I'm like, "Oh man, this this Mitch with this rear yeah. engine, it comes around fast." Yep. So yep. But I was but, learning. Yeah, those mid engines are are, yeah. are touchy <laughs> with the yeah. throttle. But when you, I mean, they dance. I mean, they do oh, whatever man. you want to do. <laughs> but about thirty laps in, I was actually because I got had so much experience uh, with rear wheel drive. About thirty laps in, I was actually no, it was getting boring because the guys kept they were Japanese are weird man. Japanese, um, they're very prideful people. They won't. They won't say it outright, but they don't like to be shown up, especially by we call them gaijins or foreigners. Yeah. Yeah. And for a foreigner, especially, I, it doesn't have the, Japan don't care about color and all that stuff. But yeah. I'm a I'm a, a, a 240 pound, 230 pound black guy with a mohawk. Yeah. And they're like, this guy can't drive it. And I go out there and, <laughs> and lap him. And so they get kind of discouraged. They'll come instead of you uh, lapping them, they'll come off the track. So then it ended up me me being I had the whole track to myself in the event. All these guys are watching, and then I just started putting on the show. So I started like this. Just pretty much uh, break, uh, lifting off, overstir, snap over, just kind of this drifting grip. I was doing a drift grip demo. Right, and I, right. I come off the track and then I pop the, uh, the 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 boot or the trunk or whatever you want to call it, and they're like, "Oh, stock, stock." I'm like, "Yeah, completely stock. <laughs> Only suspension, stock wheel, stock seat, stock one uh, ZZ, stock everything." Yeah. And they couldn't believe it, and I was like, "Dude, like, uh, it, it's and that that right there kind of got me into showing my customers I can do more with less, and it, yeah. it's a cool, it's a good selling point." Yeah, yeah. Well, you should start schools over there. <laughs> I, I, I did. I, I, I started, uh, well, I, of course, I was in the drifting thing, so I started drifting and automatically canceled that because the maintenance on maintaining a drift car is is very, uh, for guys go out there, bearing tires, brakes, yeah. crashing the stuff. It's like, ah. So I, I do have a bunch of um, uh, cars I'm setting up for grip only. And yeah. once again, everything is supposed to start this summer, but next, again, it's this year's a wash, yeah. uh, to be honest. Uh, so next spring I'll I'll do grip uh, lessons with front wheel drive, rear wheel drive, MR. I yeah. got an NSX, but that's mine. Nobody's driving that one. And the uh, what's well, the shell anyway? And the so I'll have different classes. I'll have different power levels, and I have enough cars where I can I could do about maybe two hundred fifty bucks. You just show up and drive. I got gas. So so you'll let them drive your cars. I mean that's even I mean that's yeah, even yeah. better. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll prep. Well, I have my well I have my 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 comp cars are only for me. Yeah, um, I'll yeah, give them, I'll course. give them a ride along, but I'll I'll build some cars. Like I got a few Miatas as well, where I'll make, build make them, them real friendly, a little you right. know, right. less stiff, like sort so, of. Thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they, yeah. they they'll get into that and and, and and ride along. I've taught a few people how to you know uh, drift and everything, and within they they always get angry because they start in the parking lot with pylons with cones, yeah. and they're like, man, I want to go to the track. I'm like, ah, before you go to the track, you got to do this figure eight. You got to yeah, do this. Yeah, yeah. Well, just just learn. Yeah, I mean, learn yeah. in an <laughs> yeah. environment where it doesn't kill the car to, yeah. to, to spin it out. Yeah. That, and that's the thing that makes it tough with the track is that you drop a wheel off, you can end up in a wall from yeah. a simple mistake. Yeah. So and then you, I'm pretty sure you've been. I'm, I'm pretty sure you've been on wet grass before, and wet grass yeah. you stop oh, when yeah. you hit something. <laughs> it's like yeah, I, I, yeah. I had I had a. Uh, it's a long story, but I, I, yeah, I had yeah, a, yeah. a minor a minor uh, uh, snafu in, a, in an STI once on a wet track. Uh. So. But um, it's interesting. I, I didn't bring this up in the beginning, but but I wanted to touch on it real quick. Is the fact yeah. that you reference grip all the time as as a thing, like as a 
like a like as competition. I've never right. heard that before. Oh yeah, that, oh, I'm Japanese now. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that's not a term I ever hear used like grip versus yeah. versus non-grip or whatever. Yeah. But I guess grip makes sense too if it, if it's a strong drifter um, uh, world out. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, if, yeah. if there's a lot more drifters, then then grip makes sense is just the opposite of drifting. Yeah. So yeah, I've been I've been here way too long where like I don't call a e brake a e brake anymore. It's called a hand brake or a side brake. And yeah, I've been here I've been here eleven eleven and a half years now, man. So yeah. like I honestly when I look at a gauge, like I'm I'm reading like a KPA and 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 bar now. Like I don't look at PSI anymore. So I gotta right. actually convert. Like how much PSI is that? And it's, <laughs> it's uh you've been in like newton meters now. It's like my thing. Like what is foot pounds, inch pounds? Like I got right. my I got my stuff, man. But the uh, being American now and being my first guy here was like I had to write on my gauge. Uh, this is 40, 35 psi. Right. And I had a little, a little, sh- and, and then what sucks is when it gets uncalibrated, then it becomes twenty five psi. Oh, and things geez. like that. So the um, yeah. yeah, Japanese um, there the there's that actually in, in Japan drifting is actually looked down upon in Japan. Believe it or not, okay. uh, you got your pro guys. And then that's pretty much they're like the gatekeepers and the um, there's more guys that are into grip because grip is, is safer. Uh, uh, track day against Sakuba, I did my first track day at Sakuba, and I did I did well considering the car. I, I had a Subaru that I converted to a truck, converted to rear wheel drive, so I totally took the Subaru heart out of it. And um, the guys were laughing at me and pointing at me. They call it handmade when you make a car. Like every car is handmade. So yeah. they were laughing to point me. I was putting bumpers on. So they was like, this guy, what is he going to do? First lap, I come back into the paddock. They like mouth open wide. Like the car is actually fast. Yeah. So I had the engine and suspension. And uh, there were 75 cars there. I ended up uh, having the 48 fastest time because there was like, there was NSX's, GTR's, Lotus. Sure. There was like all the stuff. I actually, yeah. uh, I got put into the pro class by my drifting having pro license and then I, I came out the first lap and I looked at the guy he, he looked at me he nodded I was like yeah I'm gonna go down to the, the to the class below me because these cars is clearly they're just fast and I was being I was a um, for the guys out here don't know even if you're a, a competitive driver they're just simply overpowering you you're you're a um you're you're a liability uh, yeah and, yeah and just, yeah you because you don't because your pace isn't fast enough yeah and you exactly I'm dangerous right so my line my lines are good but the car they're just blowing around me and I'm like dude I and I'm looking, then I'm like, fuck, man, I can't really show my skills. So let me back off. And then yeah. I'm in a class below me. Now I'm lapping everybody. And they're in RX-7s, GTRs. And right. now I'm, I'm going around them. And I'm like, man, this is not really fun. So right. so next time I go there, I'll take my S2000 and uh, have some tires on it and got arrow and things like that. So it, it, but it's, I'll, I did it to show I did that video or I did that to show my customers a point that, again, I paid. Uh, I built the car for 1200 bucks. Yeah. It was given to me for free. I took it apart, put it back together, won a car show, then I went to Sakuba. And um, I did it to to show a point that um, I, I kind of, I, I can build over crazy cars, you know, over the top cars, but most people can't afford that. So I don't want to target those guys. Uh, yeah. I want to target guys who need suspension, engine work done, things like that, because that's going to keep my shop open. Uh, but the biggest thing I want to show guys, like, hey, man, you can go out there with a, a, a GTR, suspension good tires a, a decent seat and you can you can win you can actually do well yeah. and not have to have you don't need an 800 horsepower car and that everybody i was that guy too back in the day you see the 800 horsepower gtr just all-wheel drive losing traction and still laying down 55 58 seconds as a kuba yeah. that's cool but most people can't build that and uh, right, right. that's the thing i try to push out so and, and 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 i know like again i'm pretty sure again you get guys 
um, there who come with their really powerful cars and they, mm. they, they, they're slow. Yeah. They, yeah. Well, I mean, and that, and that's, yeah. people get a wake up call. They get a wake up call all the time, especially when they see, and they always, and they always assume the car has something in it. Like you said, I mean, yeah. I mean, I got, when I, when I got the, uh, the fourth gen Miata, um, I mean that, I mean, it was, it was the fast, it's the fastest Miata by far in terms right. of, uh, uh, you know, in stock form and you're turning times that people are like, Oh, well, you know, what, what mods do you have on it? And I'm yeah. like, nothing, it's, you know, <laughs> and I got, I mean, I got sticky. I mean, I got stickier tires at 200 right. tires or whatever for the competition, but you know, there's nothing, there's nothing done to the motor. There's nothing, anything like that. It's, but of course in autocrossing, it's even more so, I mean, you're not high speed. If, there's too many places you can make mistakes. There's right. no straightaways. So you, you're, you're, you know, you're at the edge of grip all the time. And if you don't know how to do that, you lose a ton of time. I mean, yeah. I can go out there in my, in my transit connect work van and, and, and probably beat a lot of people, but, um, <laughs> and, and that's, and that's what a lot of people need. I, I mean, I remember early on when I first started autocrossing, I remember people in, you know, guys in Corvettes that would get mad. They were getting beat by guys in, in Miatas yeah. and, and on the same track. And it's, you know, it, it's still, it's about, it's about driving. It's not about the car. So mm. You know, work on the nut behind the wheel. They say. Yeah, yeah. I, I call it. I call it when I, I. I call it the driver mod. I tell guys. I. I talk. I get a lot of guys now, and it's. It's kind of cool, man. To um. I. Uh, it's weird. You get younger guys and I'll get guys to message me on Facebook, Instagram. I don't really um, check those too much, but they'll email me and say, "Hey, man, how about this setup?" And I, I'm kind of. I want to give uh, advice, but at the same time. I don't, I never met the guy. I, I don't, I never sat next to him. I don't know how he is on a throttle. I don't know how he is on his brakes, how his steering inputs are. So it's kind of hard to give virtual uh, advice. Yeah. Uh, but I just tell the guys the basics, man. Hey, before you do any mods, drive the car as is. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of guys, again, and I was one of those guys back in the day too, before I met you, uh, I would just throw all this stuff in there. I can't, my, my, K, my uh, 240 was turbo by yeah. the time I got there, but the brakes suck. The tires sucked. The, uh, my brake booster didn't work, and you're, I forgot the guy who was helping you out uh, with the school that day. Um, he was told she was co-driving at the school. I only did one. I did two schools, I believe, but the one at the H lot. Uh, he got in the car, and he was really nice not to tell me my car was crap. Yeah, because he was like, "Man, your brakes like the booster didn't work. It didn't work at all. So the booster was hooked up, but it felt like the car was off. So it was just the hardest pedal ever. Yeah, yeah, and." Uh, and the steering, the alignment sucked. The, the had camber, and he's like, "Yeah, man, he, he was nice as he could be about it." He's like, "Yeah, man, your car needs work, man, but it, it's not bad, man." I was like, "Yeah, cool." And now, <laughs> now knowing what I know now, I'm like that car was horrible, man. It was just, it was, it was bad. It was bad, yeah. man. And they, uh, so, but it's cool to go back and uh, see how, see what it was. And for me, I got in the game at uh, 99, 2000. So I got in the game right when the media cameras start coming about. So I actually, my whole my whole motorsports career is documented by photos and videos where yeah. your, yourself and your dad, there was nobody carrying cameras back. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a lot, it was a lot harder to, it was a lot yeah. harder to get the footage and everything as it is now. Yeah. Kind of like any, yeah. you know, I mean, everybody's got a, a, a yeah, it's, it's saturated they, now. They've all got video and pictures <laughs> yeah. of everything. So, yeah. So you got five GoPros on a, on a white side and it's right. like, now I, I don't record. I just, and guys thought I quit racing because I don't, it's just, man, I had to go to the track. I had to do my prep here in the shop. I do my, pre-tech inspection at the track just because of, of out of habit but when i get to the track the camera is honestly one of the last things i do now unless i'm at like of course the kubo my first time if i go to suzuka or a new track yeah i'm gonna do it but yeah. if it's a track i've been on 50 times already like my local track is right. 45 minutes away and i have another uh, circuit about an hour away and i've done them a bunch so it's like i don't 
It's you don't need video time. from it. Yeah, I, video yeah I'm kind of the same way. I don't, yeah. I, mean, I, I don't do much video with racing at all. So yeah. for the same reason, you, you've done it enough times that it, it, it's not changing anything for you. Unless it's a cool car. Like, I mean, unless it's like, I just drove a Tesla. Uh, actually, it's funny that you bring it up. I put a video up uh, my last uh, uh, last week. I drove a uh, Model S yeah. for the first time, and uh, now I now I need an electric car. Now I want to. I'm going to take a Miata. <laughs> I'm going to take a Nissan Leaf and, and make an e car EV car because in Japan they have a EV series now. They have an actual EV series. Okay. Where you, you can you they allow original EVs like the Tesla, or they call it, they call it EV. I'm not sure what they call it in, in the states, but it's called. Electronic still, I mean, they're. I mean, EV is still a term that's used, but yeah. most people don't use it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's kind of like the grip thing and everything. Yeah. But the uh, the uh, so now they got the different. Now I got all these, you know, petrol cars, and now I want to make a uh, EV car just to be able to enter the races. It doesn't matter. It could be RX seven. It could be a Skyline. As long as it's a EV, battery power only. Yeah. Um, they allow any mods and stuff like that. Of course, they're going to check it out to make sure it's, it's mount is mounted properly. Your batteries are. Uh, you know, situated where they're not uh, going to be a fire hazard. Right. Uh, but that's a new thing now. Um, as, as far as your, now that we talk about that, how do you see, have you seen any EV guys or electric uh, car guys do autocross or? Yeah. You- so, the, so the Tesla, um, mainly the Tesla came out uh, a couple of years ago, I guess was the first one you first started seeing maybe three years now. Right. And uh, last year at nationals, it won its class. Mm. And there was a lot of, uh, controversy about it because the problem with the electric cars, uh, the guy that won was a good driver. Um, some would argue he, he didn't deserve to win. Like he's like, he's not that good. I would say I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really agree with that, but, um, but anyway, he won and, and, but the issue with the electric cars is the fact that the software can be updated so simply all the time. Right, right, right. And there's so many things like that. And then, and, and quite honestly, the Teslas have an incredible uh, advantage with, with their traction control system. I mean, the, one of the most surreal things you'll ever see in, this, in that respect is, you know what a pro solo is? The drag uh, race start? It's a, it's uh, a Christmas tree with a drag race start. You peel, okay. you, you, you take off at the same time and then you peel off and you run mirrored courses and you come back, switch sides and do it again. Hmm. And so it's a drag race. Okay. The, the beginning of it and in the rain, watching an STI launch against a model three performance. <laughs> launch, the interesting thing is, you know, an STI in the rain, you know, you, you rev it up and you still just drop the clutch from, you know, six grand or whatever. You right. want it to spin. You want to keep the keep it in the power band and take off, and it's going to take off really well. Mm. The difference is the Tesla does not spin. Oh, the tra- yeah. traction control is so instantaneous, which of course we don't want traction control on all these other cars because mm. it retards the timing and, right. and and does braking and things like that. But in the Tesla, it's so instantaneous and on each wheel that it simply just doesn't doesn't spin. It just goes. Right. Makes and like so, a little, a little, little, little sudden noise and then it's gone. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and watching the Tesla leave in the rain against the STI was humorous. I mean, the Tesla just, <laughs> the Tesla took off as if it was dry. Right. And the STI was, you know, looked like it had just run against a non STI in, in the dry, you know, where, right. where STI launches and just goes because it's all wheel drive right. versus a rear wheel drive or front wheel drive. Uh, and that's what it looked like. So, um, so anyway, the, the, the Tesla's, uh, have been bumped up a class, um, and or a couple classes actually, and um, and they're now starting like an EV class, okay. you know, class. 
um, which will be primarily Tesla's. And right now it's not an official class or anything. It's one, you know, the same phases that they go through where they introduce a class and it's sort of for, um, it's not for, um, the jacket as we call it, you know, the main Mm -hmm. championship, um, uh, right away. So we'll see where that goes, but I think they want to have just an EV class where, if those cars have those advantages, then there's going to be one or two cars that you're going to want to have of EVs. But really, it's going to be Teslas. I don't know. I guess the uh, the Porsche uh, Taycan is that what it's called? Yeah, Taycan, Tesla Taycan, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The one that's a Turbo S, even though there's no turbo on it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. There's marketing marketing right there. He's going to buy it. It's like there's no turbo in here. It's just tur- right. turbo. I guess a turbo mode or a turbo button. Well, it's, it's, simply, <laughs> it's simply that it's it's that fast. Um, yeah. I guess, but uh, but yeah, I mean that that world is is really is really cool. Um, I've driven the Model Three Performance Package, and um, I, I I like it a lot. Mm, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. As long as I can afford it, I'm I mean, we're gonna get. I mean, we're gonna get one at some point if if I can afford to do it, um, because it just the cars are just neat. They're really cool. Yeah, it's, it, I heard a lot of things about, like, I, of course, I, my buddy, he bought a Model S, base Model S, uh, 2014. And uh, he before that, he had a, a SEMA, which is like a Q45 in the States, a V8. Mm-hmm. And he, he was like one of the stance guys. And he, he was, but also, one thing I noticed, um, like yourself in, in, in the sound, Julian L. been mechanical, then like JR, as we mentioned, JR mm-hmm. was an IT guy. One thing I noticed, and all your buddies that do like, uh, uh, the autocross and uh, the mechanical engineers as well. I noticed a trend where car, the car guys were really into it. Like they all come from like a tech kind of yeah. background and it's like a yep. weird, a weird thing. And, or, um, in drifting, for example, a lot of guys come from BMX or, uh, it's like a, di- a, a everybody, when you, when you get in a circle and talk, you realize that we all got the same things in common yep. and yep. It, it revolves around tech it revolves around like doing something active or sports or something like that. Then yep. you kind of, you kind of get a trade-off if you move to a state that doesn't have snow. I got snowboard here as well, yeah. and I, I didn't pick snowboarding up to 2008. And then, like, I was like, man, this is like drifting standing up. Yeah. And, you know, then I, you know, first I'm bombing it. Then I had to learn how to carve. And the reason I had to yeah. learn how to carve is because I was going to hit a girl so, yeah. or hit a tree. Yeah. And uh, with the um, – I don't – I stay away from parks because um, I, I don't, I don't want to – You don't need to break I, any bones. I, I, can't, I can't control myself. Same reason I don't ride yeah. bikes because I'm 37 now. And I, I never rode anything bigger than a 200 cc. Yeah. Uh, so I noticed we all have the same uh, same traits, same things, and it's, it's kind of cool to see everything come together. Yeah. Uh, where we all in the cars, we all doing the same thing and, and things out there. So uh, my thing is just I hope the culture um it's definitely going to get better. Um, as far as like the Tesla stuff, when I I heard a lot of stuff about it, um, and I was like, all right, cool for me. Again, I, I haven't driven to I haven't driven to the limit of R35 GTR. Uh, so it's like until I get one and really, really push it, I can I can I see the reviews, I see the guys driving it, but I want to feel it for myself. Yeah. And for the Tesla, I was like, all right, cool, I'll drive one eventually. And within five minutes, I was like, dude, I gotta have one. Like yeah, I, I yeah. Guess, it's, 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 it's pretty it's pretty neat. And they, <laughs> yeah. and they, and they do handle well, which is nice. Yeah. It's a good yeah. thing. They, 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 I, I'm trying to remember there's um it's not Randy. Is it Randy Pope's? Somebody, somebody, uh, somebody, a, a pro driver did a lot of the, the, um, the original like Nürburgring tuning and handling mm. of the car initially. And I'm, I'm not sure if they're still involved or not. Um, but, uh, now a lot of that'll be Julian's, Julian's realm too. Uh, he'll, yeah, he'll be man. doing, um, he's doing, 
I know there's more to the title, but there's it's basically vehicle dynamics. I mean, he's test driving, mm-hmm. but a lot of it is going to be on the final software end. So he'll be dealing more with um, the traction control systems and things like mm-hmm. that is what he'll be testing for. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. But yeah, it's 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 a neat world coming, you know, in terms of, the, of those vehicles. And I'm not ready to give up combustion motors. Oh, no, no, no. I don't. I don't think they're ever gonna get rid of. Yeah. I don't think that's something will weigh. I, I, some people, like I told a, a guy the other day, they they, I, they get into the mode where they feel it has to be this or that. They got to choose right. between. And what my guy, my buddy, he kind of is like he, he's 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 starting to uh, do uh, 3D printing of because that's. With the Tesla, I'm pretty sure you know there's not like a lot of aftermarket support yet because it's so right. brand new. Yep. Uh, yep. So now guys are making things, different wheels. I'm designing actually a set of wheels for him that we're going to get uh, made and uh, different things like that. But the the um, some guys feel you got to be either or. It's like, man, you can do both. And I don't yep. think with the oil, honestly, uh, this industry is way too big to, to yeah, not yeah, yeah. have. I, you see, uh, what's that, the uh, Demolition Man? Where yeah. they had the uh, where uh, it was Dennis Leary and they had the underground. I think it was like a, a Nova or something like that underground. Right, right. And he's like they, they and he's like you know driving in on the street and he's like, what's this car with gas and everything? Like I don't think they're ever going to be. They're not going to ban. Uh, maybe there'll be a more efficient fuel. And I, I run well, like there's, there's some companies out there. Yeah. Uh, I know Mazda has been working. I'm, I'm, I can't remember any of the names offhand, but you, yeah. you can look this stuff up. There's a there's a company, and then I think Mazda was working with them at one point, but. Um, they're that where they make these combustion motors that are something ridiculous, like 40 to 50% more efficient, mm. uh, than current ones. Um, and it's this huge leap. I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to remember the significance of the motor. I want to say, I want to say there's two pistons in each cylinder or something mm. of that sort. It's something, something wacky. That's, you know, that's way, that's way different from what we currently have. And then, and, and it makes it that much more efficient. But I just think, I think the, the advancement of any of that technology is just so cool to watch. And, and I mean, we have been pretty stagnant for a long time. So, so whether it be the internal combustion motor getting more efficient by crazy new designs, you know, things like right. when the, you know, obviously when the rotary was new, that was a big deal. Yeah. Um, but, um, uh, and then the EV stuff I think is cool too, but I'm always going to want the sound. I'm always going to want the, yeah. the feel and the revs. And that's where this car is, is so significant <laughs> is because it's so raw. I mean, there's yeah. just, you know, I mean, I've got a shifter in there that's got no bushing. First of all, the motor and the transmission is all hard mounted. There's no bushings. Vibration. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's, yeah. No, <laughs> there's no bushings in the rear diff. There's no bushings at all in the car. Not mm. a single one. Um, in fact, God, I never really thought about it that way. I don't think there's a, a single bushing in the entire car. Really? Is this all hard mounted? I'm just trying to think if there's a bushing anywhere. I don't think there is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think there is. I think it's everything's hard mounted. Uh, but even the, but the shifter I installed afterwards, so it came with it's an E36 uh, mm. shift uh, okay. transmission, and um, and I put a Bimmer World Race shifter in there, which eliminates all of it, and it's essentially just you know the rod comes back and you got a stick, and that's mm. it. You know, there's no there's no lever arm or anything like they had in the in, in the transmission before with the bushings on each end of it. So, right. uh, but and it's and it's it's just you know I mean it's click click. I mean you feel it. It's everything's yeah. there Mechanical, and with, yeah. and everything with the steering. The steering does it does have power steering, but it's only it's um it's a power assist. It's a it's mm. a separate unit. So it's a it's a manual rack mm. uh, with a power assist uh, unit that's right in like right under the steering wheel. Um, mm for, for the assist. And it's not much. I mean, it's just, just a little bit, but, um, uh, but everything about it's so raw and sometimes I don't like it, but most of the times I love it, you know, sometimes yeah. I, 
and, and, and as I've, as I've geared it a little more towards the street lately, it's getting better and I'm able to drive with one hand. <laughs> I mean, mm. literally it was, it's got a, um, it's got, uh, um, it's got a dynamic tow setup, which is great for racing in the rear, but it's horrible for the street cause it gives you bump steer. Yeah. So, so when you've got expansion joints and things like that, it's horrible. But, um, as I softened the spring rate up a lot, it, it, it got way better. I mean, it was, it was to the point where I'm driving, you know, 55, 60 down a, down a local highway here and hitting expansion joints and I'm hanging on like correcting, after, yeah. um, <laughs> um yeah. just going in a straightaway. So, yeah. so it was pretty bad, but I, but I, I mean, I'm running a third of the, of the spring rate that I was mm. before in the rear now just to make it a little more enjoyable. So, um, but yeah, I think this is, this is what, I mean, getting a car like this has just kept me so passionate. Yeah. Um, one, the good and the bad, it makes me work more on the car is bad, but it also makes me work more on the car, which is good because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm connected to it more. I mean, I spent you know, three or four hours on the damn headlights today because essentially the, <laughs> there's a flaw in the design of this lens that they put in this thing. And it doesn't even fit right. I mean, I'm literally taking out a um, a grinding wheel and I'm grinding part of the headlight lens, the backside of it off, so that the so that the bezel clamp can clamp where the way it should. Mm. Um, but because it wasn't working right, I'm driving down the road and the lens is falling out. Uh. And, and the lens is falling out. Now I'm carrying tools to fix the lens when it falls out. <laughs> and um, and then when it falls out, it's dangling. And if I, if I don't catch it right away, it's dangling so long it severs the wire and shorts out yeah. the whole system. So I had a couple of things like that that I worked on today, um, which is not, you know, normal car stuff. But uh, uh, the suspension, as I was pointing out, you've got push rods and bell cranks and and uh, and, and control arms with all different settings. And it's mm. kept me so um, uh, connected to the car to have to work on it again, the good and the bad, having to work on it more than I'd like. But at the same time, there are times when I come out, you know, I'm, I one day when I got um Soon after I got the car, I spent 10 hours doing alignment on it mm. because it had no basis. You know, it had no setup. Right. And and so reading up and then and then sitting there and going, OK, well, these control arms need to do this. And I'm going to need I'm going to need this much negative camber. And, and this push rod's got to hook into the bell crank here instead of here. So I get a better spring rate and, you know, this mm. and, that and, uh, and then the dynamic toe in the rear. I mean, there's so many things on the car that's so raw and. And it's all right there. It's all just rod ends, and you just crack the nut loose, and you change the change the rod. Yeah, very little changes. Yeah, yeah and, and uh, the the ride height differences, and the and negative camber and toe, and like everything. Um, there's just so many things that you can do with it. Mm. Um, kind of a pain in the butt. Like, like I just keep coming back to that. It's kind of a pain, but so cool at the same yeah, time. It is. And it is. So and so that's why I say that that getting this car has as while it's been a pain, it's also, it's, it's also sort of rejuvenated my love for cars because I've never been that much of a mechanic and Mm. I still not, um, I'm not a motor guy. I can't, you know, I can't, I have never torn a motor down. Mm. Um, but I've always worked on suspensions. Even when I had a Jeep hobby, you know, I did a lot of work with the suspension stuff. And so that's where I'm really falling in love with this again is, is dealing with the suspension. And then, and then, like I said, it's it's just so raw, and you get to drive it, and you feel everything right away. I mean, every little alignment change and and uh, spring rate and pr- tire pressure and everything is is right there. So yeah, yeah. My, my personal opinion from uh, like you said about the engine stuff. My personal opinion being uh being a, my shop is pretty much one stop. You can come, you can get the. I don't offer. I, I paint and do body work for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, as most drifters, you have to drifters. Uh, you have to become your own body guy or mechanic yeah. because you can't afford to go to the shop. 
Um, so I've got painting skills. I don't, I use it for myself. I offer suspension, suspension settings. I just got a four post, four post, um, lift that I'm going to do my own in-shop alignments because I pay for them, get it yeah. somewhat of a deal, but going to the shop all the time, do alignments kind of gets old. Yep. Yep. The, um, engine, t- engine building and engine tuning and stuff like that. So I do pretty much everything in shop. Uh, I will say, man, I, I, and I stand on it. Suspension tuning is harder than engine tuning to me. Oh yeah. Engine, engine tuning, you just set it. It's as far as 14, five or whatever you wanted to be at. And then you just pretty much, I tell my customers when I do tuning, I don't do, I'm not the wizard. I'm not the guy who try to say that I'm a wizard. I'm like, Hey man, I need to bring this down to normal. I need yeah. to make 800 horsepower run normal. Yeah. As normal as you can run with camshafts and things like that. Cause some guys, they don't understand cam bigger cams. You got to idle it higher. Or you're going to install it. Install yeah, it. So, yeah, yeah. Like if you want, you want your idle to be normal. We got to put those cams back in. You got to, I got to, I'm going to charge you another 700 bucks to remove all the stuff, put the cams back in this guy. I'll go with a high idle. And they, I eventually break it down to him like that. But suspension tuning. Um, when I do that, actually I, I do the, the settings. When I do the install, I charge a roughly, I charge a total between time, labor, lift time, it's no secret. It's about 680 bucks, yeah. $680 equivalent. And they're like, man, why is it so high? I'm like, dude, it's, there's more to just putting those things in there. You got to do yeah. payload. You got to do height. You got to also the linear spring, the springs are going to break in. And then when you come back two weeks, it's going to be actually lower mm-hmm. and the gas is going to try. So I explain all that stuff to them. They're like, man, I didn't know it was that detail. So actually about two weeks after I do the job, I always have the car come back to, to check final height. Uh, to see if they need any damper adjustments. And I, I teach them a little bit of things like, hey, uh, the damper is neutral. If you want to go higher, you go higher, 32 clicks up, right. 15 clicks down. And uh, and they're like, man, this is evolved. I'm like, dude, suspension, yeah. you got 3,000 pounds, 2,000 pounds. You got to get all that weight translated down to the tires. If you got crazy suspension, you could have Ian or horsepower and a crappy suspension. And You can't, you like, can't do anything with it. It's not doing anything. Yeah. So they, when I break it down to them, I'm like, dude, how, how is this how is this MRS faster than my GTR at 128 horsepower and I got 280, 300? I'm like, dude, yeah. I can put my power to the ground. Yeah, it's, yep. it's that simple. Well, and, then, and then weight too. A lot of people don't. Yeah. They forget yeah. about weight. Weight's weight's a huge thing. Which again, yeah. you know, this car here. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's <laughs> it's what makes cars fast. And in autocrossing, it took me a while to really realize it. But you you lean way more towards weight than power. Mm. Um, you know, if you had the option of, let's say, a 1,500-pound car with, I don't know, 200 horsepower, like which which is basically what this is, um, right. versus, um, you know, a 2,000-pound car with, I don't know, 300 horsepower, let's say, whatever, I'm going to go with the lighter car every time because mm-hmm. it's it's just going to it's just going to end up handling better, uh, and and that's going to translate to faster coming out of the turns faster and being able to mm-hmm. go deeper into the turns, you know, and and being able to break the car down. Yeah, breaking, so, breaking. Yeah. Breaking is another thing too. I, I, again, I, it's, it's hard. I try to be non-biased when I'm, cause as a shop, you know, different levels, different customers, diff, guys want different goals. They see fast and the furious. They want this. And it, that, that, that series has been a, a blessing and a curse for getting guys in the cars. And then also making like, you know, now I was, I got into actually cars right around the same time. The fast and furious one came out. So I always have that hanging over my head. Yeah. So like I'm like grouped into the fast and furious guys, but I get the one through three was okay. Now they're just they're outlandish. They're just not even yeah. about cars anymore. Yeah. And um, so I get a lot of these young guys in and they see uh, YouTube videos and I got to bring them down like, hey, man, so which what are you looking to do? Are you going to do grip, uh, grip or uh, circuit racing, uh, drifting? You want to all, all around cars? So then I have to have meetings with the guys to let them know, hey, man, like if you want to do this and this is your goal, spending money on this twin turbo kit is going to it's going to defeat the purpose of what you want to get right. to. 
and right. different things. So I end up being a counselor. Uh, right. And it makes my jobs easier because I'm, they know what they're going to get. I know what I'm going to put out and everything. And I have a high quality of work and I offer warranties and things like that. And one thing I tell the guys too, it doesn't matter um, how much money you spend on the parts. They're going to break. They're just going to break a little bit later than the yep. OEM stuff. And that's yep. what a lot of guys, they figure they spend this much money on HKS or Garrett or Tommy. I'm like, dude, it's going to still break. It's just going to last a little bit longer. So I have to tell them that because not trying to cover my ass. Well, cover my ass, but also let them know, hey, man, uh, if you go abuse it, it's going to break. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's still, and it, it, just because you spent a lot of money on it doesn't mean yeah. it lasts, you know, forever. So F one cars break. F one yeah. cars. I mean, if you look. I, I I put a chart up the other day, like a couple months ago, and this was 2018. T- the set of tires, the crew, all the stuff that goes into one F one team, right. like the the air, the jacks, the, the. I'm like, they don't know about this stuff. I'm like, dude, all this stuff is expensive. Like that one pair, t- one tire, one tire costs more than your car. And in and, and, and retrospect, man, and, and they uh, so they really get them like and I always use F1 as an example because I'm like, look, if F1 cars break, trust me, man, your your Civic is going to break. Yeah. It's going to break, man. So uh, and I, I, I say that again to those guys, not to, again, scare them, but let them know, hey, man, it's if you want to do this again, if you put a lot of parts on it and go to car shows, yeah, you'll your car lasts 35, 45 years. Yeah. But if you go to one autocross event or one track day, you, go, you hit that you hit a zebra at the wrong angle. Now your alignment is off. You got a bent yeah. t- tire rod. You got a bent upper. And it's like minutely bent, but I could feel that the wheel is now like this sure. instead of being straight. Sure. Yep. And, uh, that, happened, that happened to me on this. I bent a oh, yeah. tire rod. Yeah. So, so for the suspension on that, is it uh, the links? Are they are they solid links or are they are they uh, ball joints? Or how do, how's the steering, uh, how's the steering um, rack on that car? It's it's a manual rack and it, and it's basically uh it's 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 I mean I don't know how to describe it because I, I guess I'm not technical enough on it but it, they're just they're just tie rods coming from the so, from the uprights okay. you know right from the uprights with a, with a rod end and mm. a, and a rod end on the on the other side of the uh, on the on the on each side of the uh, the rack itself. Mm. So your, uh, your tie your tie rods face they face down or point up? Like the actual the actual part of it like for your rack your rack's in front of the engine or behind it is. It's, it's in front, front of the engine. engine. Okay, it's front yeah. of the engine. Yeah, yeah. and the and the tie rods are in the front of the in front of the control arms. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, so like, they they got they got um yeah. The reason I asked because I didn't know if it was just like the usually a lot of the cars they got like the they're just still it's like bush. Oh, you're gonna go over to show me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's right there. You can't. Yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. Miss it. Um, I don't know how well you can see it. I can see it. Um, so, so yeah, this is the tie rod here, and then okay, and then can you see in there? It's yeah, I got. I guess. I guess. I guess. Right here's where. Right here's where. Can you see my finger? Yep. Right, yeah, right there. So, so yeah. But this is what's so cool about it. I mean, again, it's it's so everything's right there. I can you know I can see my rod ends. I can see everything. I all my adjustments there. So. Yeah. So so quick, man. You don't got to take anything off. No. I see the I see the, the traction rod and the tire. It's like cool, man. The, the, yeah. They have all the stuff right there. But like the F one cars, the, the um, it's cool to see all that stuff on the outside, man. But then it's it is exposed. So like you know you see the guys out there F one where they they you know they they run into another car then they got the, they could swap out the nose cones they could do yeah. a lot of quick maintenance that most guys when we crash or something it's like now we got to go get alignment they could do all, all the stuff right in the pits in seconds man so right. it's pretty cool to see that wow and, it's um, like it's like their their pit stops how long their pit yeah. stops are you know it's like it, two it, seconds or whatever but, and it's crazy how strong they are but how delicate they are at the same time it's like yep. the, the balance man where like they could just ruin your i guess like you know i, I just start following f1 is like you know if you have a crash if you can limp it back to the pits you can get a service but if you're deal if you're 
you know, you're dead in the water. It's like your, your day is over, man. Yeah. You, you, all that prep, all that money. Then you got a teammate. And uh, the Netflix thing is doing a good job of highlighting how the drama is. And uh, right, you know, right. I didn't know there was there, I didn't know, like, you know, the teammates didn't like each other. Yeah. But it's competitive. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Well, that's in the end. They're they're still they're still trying to like fight for their lives, and that's right. that's you know both a a good thing and a bad thing. Um, so uh, that's where you get that that drama from from the teammates. But yeah, just changed my angle there a lot. <laughs> I'm not going to keep you too much longer, man. It's about nine nine o'clock here, and I got to go yeah, to open up, yeah. man. But again, it's, I definitely want to. Talk talk to you again, man. Like I said, it's been it's been a great time, and and uh, I, it's you're one of you're one of the few guys out there that I definitely want to get with. Like I, that I'll say, where it's in my motorsports career, where like um, there's a there's a handful of guys. Uh, my guy James Felix out there, who uh, he's a Subaru guy, and I'm pretty he run a lot of autocross with Civics and everything. I'm pretty sure you guys may 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 not have met each other. He's out, he's out in um uh, White Marsh area. But okay. he, I'm pretty sure you guys been in the same event. There, I guarantee you, you guys been in the yeah. same event. He used to run a Civic with a uh, e, a EF Civic rid with uh had uh, what was it um had a B18 swap in it, and he he was SDI guy, so one of the SDI guys out there and everything. So yeah. and he now he transferred into drag, so now he had a, G, a GC8 RS RS 2.5 that's like 900 horsepower and seven seconds and everything. So he kind of yeah. flip flops between drag and everything. I started actually, believe it or not. Um, I you know drag racing like most people because that's the, f- the freest thing you can do. Right. And right. and then I realized again quickly. I mean, my my car was at the fastest point was like 13 seconds, which is nothing now. I mean, a right. Hellcat right. is what 10, 11 seconds yeah. from the factory or yeah. 10 seconds. So it's like drag racing. I, I was just like, ah, I'm not gonna. It's yeah. I, I, the money I spent trying to be a drag racer, I could have been putting that money into being an autocross guy yeah. long ago, and I uh, would have had a more beneficial outcome. But it's definitely cool, man. Um, as far as like I said, you being a, your, a dad, I got I got uh, two sons, four four year old, two year old, and I got a, a new. Uh, she's 11, 11, 11 and a half months. She turns uh, one next month, and I don't teach. I don't show them anything. We got course cars all over the house. Right. Uh, right. You know they got they got. I mean, it's it's uh, we got them the toy cars, man, and they flip the car over, and, and I don't teach them the stuff, man. They just got the hammers, they bang they on it, and it's like, so that's, yeah, man, they're, they're gonna imitate you, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, it's it's cool, and they they love the shop. They when they come to the shop, they don't like to leave. Um, so they come to the shop, they see all the cars, they start the engine up and everything. I keep it, you know, the loud cars. I don't start them up too much because the ears, you know, ears are delicate, but um, they're. You know, into it, and then my one son, I got him in a Barbie Jeep, right? And I was going to upgrade it to twenty four volts. So I was like, yeah, let me, yeah. let me learn the 12, 12 volts first. So now he's in this thing where the young, the two year old is actually stirring, but the four year old still likes to crank it all the way to the right and just do donuts. So I'm like, dude, what are you like? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like screaming at him, like, and my wife is like, ah, shut the mate, like, calm down. He's still yeah. a kid. And it's like, and it's so now I got to learn how to like, hey man, I, I gotta have fun with it because I'm getting serious with a four year old. Yeah. And a Barbie Jeep. So, so part, of, part of that is that um, what, what ends up happening is that you you care so much about them doing yeah. better <laughs> that you start getting upset when they don't. And it's not yeah. because it's not because they're failing you. It's that be, it's because you want to see them. You want to see see them succeed. And right. and so it, it, that's where you start to get serious. And that's where the that's where the you know the stage mom, stage dad, you know, kind of uh, based yeah. what's it called the the um, I can't remember what it's called the uh, the where the um, shoot. Um, usually, it's a, a baseball term. Uh, oh yeah, 
We're talking about the over, over oh I didn't got it. The overbearing parent. They're like the kind of like the they call it the parents that kind of like I guess they coach from the sidelines or they just hard on the kid, they scream yes. at him and things yes, like that. And, I, uh, like, Charlie, what's what's the name of that? There's there's it's I, something I forgot. That, it's something there's a term for that, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, man. So this is this you know, this is cool, but for me, man, uh the, uh, myself personally again, Ben what I'm involved again, they uh, so I don't really make, too, I, I got my studio here, so I just started making music again, my own stuff. And so they come in here, sometimes they'll see me making music, they'll come try to play with the keyboards and stuff like that. And then I, I do martial arts. I have, um, right to the right of me, I have my jujitsu mats. <clears throat> so I do my training and stuff there because I don't have time now with the shop to go out to the, you know, and jujitsu most of the time starts at seven o'clock, six o'clock at night where these guys get off of work. So they are, they've already done their work for me. My work really never stops. Yeah. So I, I got my own stuff here. So I do my drilling here. Then they get on the mats with me and do stuff. And uh, so they'll be able to pick uh, one of the things I do or not nothing at all. But I'm pretty sure they'll do they'll do one of the three things. That yeah. I do. They usually emulate you in some way, yeah. you know, or, yeah, or either that or it's or it's around the house or cooking yeah. or something like that. It's going to they want yeah. they'll get it from somewhere. So I just, I just can't wait till my oldest is because uh, I really want to when I go to the track and do my test day, sometimes he wakes up and he know he see I'll, I'll bring the uh to pre-stage, I'll have the car loaded up on a trailer. I'll park the trailer outside, which is like the two-car, three-car trailer. So he'll yeah. see the car, and he'll be like, oh, I want to go. And like, oh, I'll feel bad because, you know, I was like, I, he's, he's small, too small to take out there. Right. Be right. unsupervised and everything. So I was like, man, I can't wait till he gets old enough to – he can – be cognitive, cognitive, and not know like don't run in a you know right. pit lanes are pretty right. safe here, uh, but um, they're unmanaged. So we go to the track here. There's no marshals. There if there's no event, you show up, you tech yourself, and if you blow up on the track, then you're gonna you're gonna pay for the oil oil spill. Right. So Japan is Japan is a very there's no insurance. Um, you sign a release waiver. Uh, Japan is very opposite of the states. For I mean the safety is there. But yeah. they 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 have an honor system where you the driver is supposed to check out your car and know that you don't have oil leak, you don't have loose tie rods, you don't have loose this and that. Uh, so they leave it up to the driver. And as a result, um, there was a death about um, uh, the first death I believe involved with drifting about two and a half years ago. Uh, a whole tire assembly, wheel, rear wheel assembly, the rotor caliper, wheel, and everything came off the car, hit a girl in the head. Wow! And she was like she was spot she, and she was spotting the the. It was you no. Know, she died at the hospital about two days later. Uh, she was spotting for her boy, her, her boyfriend at the time, which was a friend of the guy who Will came off. So their relationship ended, you know, because he blamed him for the Will coming off, and then the track shut down, and he had to get down. He got the NASCAR fences with the whole fence with the curve right. over. Right. Uh, so it you know, and it changed tracks all over Japan because now Jeff came in and said, "Hey, your track's not safe enough. All walls have to be this high. Um, spectators have to stand over here." So it's not that it's wild wild west but it's just there was no issues right so like the states so now you can't go to summit without you know paying 240 dollars versus my track i could pay 40 bucks for a whole day yeah i got the whole track to myself for a whole day right 80 bucks is a splitting session so it's 80 bucks gets you a whole day 40 bucks uh is half session yeah uh, so it's the difference is there but um again uh, uh thanks to you man and all the guys there for uh showing me like we didn't again we didn't have a lot of time together but uh, just saying, hey, man, you know, make sure, you know, I didn't know until I came to that first uh, FedEx that, hey, man, check your tie rods. I didn't think to check that. My tie rods were, if I took them off my hand, you could take the whole ball joint and just go like this. <laughs> like, there's plate, there's no grease in it, there's no right. boot on right. there. And the dude's like, nah, that's a fail, man. You're going to fail. 
Yeah. And, I mean, you take the wheel and shake it. It shakes left and right. Axial radio play. Like, nah, do your bearings a bit. Yeah. So now, you know, I do my, my checks. I do performance inspections. I'm like, hey, guy, I tell, I tell customers straight up, if I took your car to the track, I would blow your engine. Well, not blow the engine, but I would blow your couplers and blow everything off within one lap. And they're like, oh, I'm like, yeah, dude, your couplers are old. Your, your band clamps are oversized. Uh, different things and they like oh man my car it's not that it's a bad car it's just not it's not prepped, it's not right? it's not what's in your mind it's not that jgtc r32 yeah that's that's destroying everything that that yeah. that's not your car yet your car is far from that right and uh so i'll take them for a drive in one of my prep cars and like oh man i i see the difference i can feel it you hear the transmission everything's solid uh as a solid tell me you, you don't want to make it solid because i'm like well i got to check my my subframe because uh, the solid thing promotes cracking. So you got to check all that stuff for wear and things like that. So I, I, I do, a, I think I do a good job of, of, of tailoring it to guys to what their level is and uh, trying, I'm not a teacher, but just trying to give them like little knowledge yeah. of like things I learned the people I've met that's been inspirational in my life and everything. Again, uh, yourself, your family. Um, I didn't get a chance to really talk to your dad a little bit, but he was just kind of in the background. Yeah. With the, with the, the red mini with the checkered, yep. uh, yeah, yeah. The checkered, yeah, the checkered hood. Just, yeah. Still has it. Yeah. He still has it. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't drive yeah, I remember, him. I, I remember him getting out there and doing a, I, I believe I, he just jumped on a, either you jumped in the car or somebody jumped in the car with the mini and did a few laps. And I was like, holy shit, yeah, man. Yeah. The thing is like, quick, man. But, yeah. but hey, brother, I got, like I said, I, I got really got to get out of here and start opening okay. up my shop as nine, nine, 10 here. Um, it's been a great uh, time talking with you, man. And do uh, you got any, um, I guess, social media or anything like that prom uh, promote or you don't do any no, of that stuff, man? No, I mean, no, because yeah. I just yeah. do it that yeah. way. But, but uh, no, I mean, I appreciate it. I'm glad to talk to you. I'm glad to be able to see you again. Yeah, man. It's like one of your one of your students actually grew up and, and, and listened to the things that you because I mean, I, being an instructor now and teaching martial arts and I'm a purple belt in uh, jujitsu, which is two away from the top and well, one away from the top. Uh, top rank with black belt and and being a doing the car instruction it's just like a, when i taught a guy how to drift and then i get out the car and i just stand back and smile like i taught this guy how to drift three hours ago he couldn't he didn't yeah. know the difference between clutch modulation and the biggest thing in drifting everybody just thinks it's throttle like that's not actually that's it's you're not you know it's like you're 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 it's like i guess dropping a tumbler or a forklift right you're you're steering with the rear tires, which that's a hard concept for people to pick up. Right. Like you're not all throttle. You're, it's times that you're all throttle, but most of the times you're right in between yeah, modulating. You're, yeah. You're somewhere in between. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. To you're, always you're, control you're, it. Yeah. And the clutch kick is clutch kicks get clutch kicks get expensive. So then advance is like you teach your guys a clutch. You can still get the same revving up, but you modulate it. You don't have to kick it in violently and let it out, pop the clutch. Right. You can just, you know, modulate it. So it's levels to it, and uh, most of the guys I just do beginner stuff, and I let them figure it out. But the, uh, but yeah, man, it's just um, great to talk to you. Uh, as again, one of the one of my again, you my my first grip driving quote unquote, <laughs> right. instructor. I'll have uh, to use and, that uh, term now. Grip. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah man. And, and, and this been, I mean, honestly, man, it's been a, a a nice a nice guy to to new guys, newcomers, which yeah. I've been that guy where like a new drifter come in, and I kind of I kind of scold them because they're saying the wrong things. Yeah. Then I realized like this guy's just new to it, relax, and then and then he'll he'll get into it and everything, man. So it, it's good to go, man. So again, brother, uh, good to talk to you. Definitely, I know Julian is very busy with the um, he's very busy with the uh, getting the, the, the new job set up. But I definitely like to talk to him, man. So yeah, well, he can, know, he yeah, might he yeah. uh, he might still have some time. So yeah. so you might be able to catch him. I I can shoot him a text yeah. and let him know that you're interested. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
See, and, I, and I do know, like, he's working for Tesla, man. I'm prior military, so I know I'm not going to ask him, like, you know, I, I know there's a lot of proprietary things there. And, yeah. You know, but we'll, we'll, I'll let him I'll let him divulge as much as he can. I know yeah. they got release orders and all that stuff, and I know all about it, man. So I hear my R34 GTR outside praying right now. He's, he's a little bit – he's early. He's, like, 30 minutes early, but it's all good. But, hey, man, cool. again, thanks, brother. Great job. get out of here. John. Yep, and uh, this this um and uh I'll I'll edit this part out and everything a little bit later. But the um again, guys out there, uh, make sure you uh, like, subscribe, and share it to the podcast. Uh, share the podcast, things out there to grow it. Um, I'm not really into YouTube to make crazy amounts of money and all that stuff like that. But just uh, share my knowledge. Uh, introduce you to guys like uh, like Brian here who has his own circle. But again, the, the biggest thing out there I say to you guys is uh, we're all different. Uh, we all d- have different circles. So it's like, and you find I learn more about you. And learn more about my like uh, myself and the viewers. Learn more about everybody and everything. So uh, be sure to send your questions and topics to podcastpenguinstar.com. Uh, again, share if you would like to. And uh, just um, with all this Corona stuff out there, get your cars ready because when the season starts again, you don't want to be that guy like me who is, is three months into Corona, and all your cars are still in pieces. So <laughs> you know what I mean. So get your cars ready because I think that there's going to be a late like maybe November, December, and then it's, it's you know or to save your money. Just have fun now and then come out next season strong because it'll be a truncated season with everything. So it'll be crazy to wreck your car right now and then you got the whole next season to get ready for it, things like that. So, again, guys out there, be safe, be easy. Um, just send those questions things to podcastpinkstar.com and um, I'll be sure to answer those and bring them up in the next podcast. So, again, uh, it's going to be Donald signing off from Masao, Japan. Uh, Brian, from uh, your West Virginia, correct? Correct. Yep. Correct. And uh, yep. see, you, see you guys later. So, again, uh, be safe. Donald Welt. Ah. Uh, Amor